0: Oh, yes,
1: it is Friday the 13th, and we shall never not to have bad luck cross your path on this Friday the 13th.
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, having too much fun. Uh, actually, I did my Friday the 13th show yesterday because I had time to do it yesterday. I don't have time to do it today. Uh, I was going to play the, the last hour um, today of my, my Friday the 13th last hour at WBY, uh, where my last guest was Ron DeSantis. <laughs> so if you want to hear that interview, uh, you can check that out yesterday. Uh, from yesterday's show, but uh, it was great. We had Jason Shepard on from Lincoln social media. Uh, it was just a blast we had uh, just, uh, You know, it was it was an intense discussion on the First Amendment. Uh, I had two epic rants I don't think I've ever I must be getting better at this. Uh, I don't know uh, Tara can tell me when she, <laughs> when she Tells me about the the show from yesterday, but uh, the first 42 minutes in the last half hour were screw- well, actually the last 25 minutes Unbelievable. Screaming. Anyway, I got a new uh, I got a new theme. Tara, I made you a theme. So let me see what you think of it. I haven't heard it since I made it. So this is going to kind of a treat for me, too. So I try to get a theme for everybody's intro to the show. And this is the one I made for the Animal Shelter Report. Can't you just see yourself all curled up on the couch with a really cute kitty cat just hanging around your neck? Or some adorable lapdog just looking up at you with those big eyes. Maybe you need a dog for hunting, for herding, for protecting the family, or just to take walking. Maybe the house just needs a family cat or, when available, a pet bird. Where can you find these wonderful animals? At your local animal shelter. And now it's the Santa Rosa County, Florida Animal Shelter Report. With Tara D, Isn't that cute?
2: Yes, I like it. I like it.
1: Okay, good. So that's how I introduce your show now. So, uh, yeah, I had one person that we went through six different variations before we found one that uh, Wendy liked. Well, I was pretty sarcastic with hers, so that's different. So now that we've kind of mellowed out from the day and we can talk about creators, um, let's, let's get the contact information up front and we'll probably do it again as well. But uh, let's do that and then you can tell me uh, what's been going
2: on this week. Okay, uh, so this is uh, for Santa Rosa County Animal Services. Our phone number is eight five zero nine eight three four six eight zero, and our address is four four five one Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. And we can also check us out on Santa Rosa dot FL dot gov slash animals. That's our website, and you can check, her out, check us out on Facebook and Instagram.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Did <laughs> like I miss one? Did you have did you have a, a slight interruption there? Because you're you're at work right now, right? You're calling from, uh, from the yes, shelter?
2: yes, I'm at work. Um, I'm trying to multitask. So that's probably the problem. So our friends of Santa Rosa Group is supposed to try to give us a call in today. So I was just checking in with them to see if they're going to be able to make it, and it looks like okay. they are. So they should be cool. giving you a call here in a few.
1: I'll I'll see okay. it pop up on the screen. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Unless somebody yeah, calls so, us from, like,
1: Azerbaijan or something like that. Oh, so yeah, holds, in, a but, whole different know,
2: place, yeah. Stuff we'll just make there. them give us animal information for sure. So. Uh,
1: that sounds good. Yeah, exactly. Well, we should talk about uh, uh, pets in different countries. That's actually an interesting thought in international travel, but we'll save that for another day. Give you a chance to think okay. about that. But, uh, yeah. So what's going on?
2: Uh, well, we've had a busy week this week, just a lot of activity at the shelter. We have an ado- ugh, another adoption event this weekend, uh, which is going to be at our local Pet Smart store. So we've got some puppies that are going to be coming in for that. Uh, we had a local meeting at the Chamber of Commerce last night with local rescue groups to just kind of touch base with everybody in the area to kind of just reaffirm our mission of, you know, trying to help the animals and help each other and things like that. So just kind of a our you know, bi-yearly meeting just to kind of get in touch with everybody, see where everybody's at, what their strengths and weaknesses are, things like that. Oh, what else do we have? We have a rabies clinic going on this afternoon at the shelter, so we're excited about that. That's being put on by the Santa Rosa County Health Department, and it's offering $10 rabies vaccinations as a drive-through clinic, so it's super simple. You don't even have to get out of your car. And that way if someone is, you know, wait, behind drive on through their clinic? shot... Wait, oh,
1: so, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Drive-through yeah. clinic? <laughs> wait a minute, how does they work? Drive-through clinic, yeah. So what, you have,
2: like, basically a they of pets go the get in line with their car, they fill out some paperwork, <laughs> drive on through the vet and their staff. Um, it's at a different vet. It's our vet from the shelter. It's a couple of local vets usually handle the the rabies clinic, and they basically pop them with the vaccination while they're in the car. Generally, they don't even have to get out of the car unless it's a cat. They are going to bring those in to a little area and vaccinate them because you know cats uh-huh. are a little cats are a little special. So, yeah, but that's a Especially way for black people cats to have
1: today. We'll, we'll talk about that. in Oh, oh, day.
2: yeah, yeah. yeah Yeah. so we might see some of those too but yeah we just try to make sure that everybody's vaccinated because it is required by law but some people can't afford going to the veterinarian and doing a full exam so at least this way they Hmm. can be you know vaccinated their animals are safe and get that taken care of and at a really low cost and it's been the same price for many years so they haven't gone up on the price and i think uh, the health department does this at least once a year usually here at the shelter
1: Hmm. I mean, I just see uh, like, like a uh, like a fast food place, right? So you you pull up and you have the menu with all the burgers and fries and things like that. I can just see a menu with like vaccination, spay, neuter. You know, you know, pet selection. <laughs> you just pull up. Hi, what yeah. can I help you with today? through. Welcome to the San Rosa County Animal Shelter Drive Through. Are you here for vaccinations? <laughs> you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Would you like <laughs> a side of dewormer with that? Sure.
1: Thanks. Yeah. 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 yeah Want some they dewormer actually with do have but
0: this yeah, is the, the local clinics here. actually
2: kind of do it that way. They kind of do, not the yeah. drive through part, but they do oh. the uh, clinics where you just come in and you add a la carte, basically what you need, and you can get just a rabies shot or you can get the wormer. So you, they let you kind of pick and choose what you want. So, But we don't uh, offer all that. This is just strictly rabies, just get you legal and get you out of here.
1: So how much of a problem is rabies these days?
2: Um, I think it, uh, I want to say it's around $30 if you go to your your veterinarian. No, not a shot, and but
1: rabies itself. Uh, what what oh, animals how, are Oh, how rabies? big of a problem are, is it? Do we have? Um, has rabies, you know, been found in animals? Has it been found in people? What's what's the story on that?
2: Yeah, so it has been found in animals. I don't know if we've had any this season or not, but you mm-hmm. know, it is fatal. So if an animal contracts rabies, he's a goner. And pretty much the same with people. I know there's a couple cases where people have been treated, but it's it's pretty much if if you're if you get rabies. It's, you're, you're, it's not a good thing. This is not something that's treatable. So, you know, a lot of viruses are treatable, but rabies is not. Pretty much. So it's a virus. You know,
1: where, where I'm sorry. Problem?
2: Yes, it's a virus. So it's, um, it's it affects the nervous system, and so in the olden days they called it hydrophobia, which I don't know if anybody watches, watches the old westerns. I think it was Big Valley had an episode where he got bit by, I think it was like a wolf or something, and then he thought he was going to die, and so he thought he had the hydrophobia, and so huh. so he left the area. Okay. And basically fear of water, and the, the reason that is, is so if they're at the end stages of the disease, which, which is why we quarantine for 10 days, so if we get a bite or a scratch, um, the health department requires that an animal be quarantined, for rabies, to observe them to see do they have it, do they not? The premise mm-hmm. is within if they're at the end stage of the disease, and that's why they bit you. They're in the last ten days. They're going to die basically. And then if you okay. if that happens, you know, oh, okay, they did have rabies. The only way to test for rabies is to send off tissue, and it has to be from the brain. So you can't really just Ugh. you know, oh, I wonder if yeah. this animal has rabies. So you observe them, and then if it's a sometimes you know animals do. Um, you know do not explain, do not display symptoms, and most likely they 're good but we have had um, we have had incidents where we have had positive animals. Uh Cats. I don't know that we've ever had a dog, but I know we've had you know a couple cats over the years. We've had raccoons that were positive, obviously, in their carriers. But oh, raccoons, um, possums,
1: it, just, and uh, different animals like that are uh, probably raccoons. Not, are most likely,
2: but, possums not, but raccoons oh, okay. definitely. Yeah, they're huh. they're pretty low on the totem pole. Definitely, um, raccoons are are one of the top carriers. So, and really don't see raccoon to person transmission as much as raccoon to animal, and then animal to person so that's one of the most important reasons to vaccinate your animals is because if they you know we want to keep them safe if they're outside they could get exposed to something we want to make sure that they have that rabies vaccination now if um if your animals indoor out strictly indoors you still want to do it just in case also because it's part of you know it's legally required if your cat is out indoor outdoor absolutely you want to make sure that that is that is uh, current we have seen you know cats with rabies in the past. We actually, I think a year or two ago, probably a couple years ago, uh, we did have an incident where this lady had been feeding a feral, I don't know if he was a feral cat, but a stray community cat. And one day he just randomly attacked her leg, and it turns out that he had rabies. Most likely he was bitten by, you know, a wild animal, and she had to go through the whole series of vaccinations, which is, from what I understand, can be quite painful. So, yeah, it's just something super important to, to make sure that you're staying on top of.
1: Okay. I think I have your guests here. We're going to find out in a second, so i gonna bring our folks on live. And uh, let's uh, enter and sign in, please. Welcome to Action Radio. Hi. Who we got here?
3: This is Michaela Garcia from the Friends of Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter. Sarah invited us over to join you guys for the talk show.
1: Well, I knew you were coming, I just didn't know which week, so this is good to have you here.
3: That's so, Michaela, hi. welcome to
1: the show, and <laughs> oh, yeah. a little closer to your phone or microphone or how, however you're doing it, because you're just a little bit quiet there, so so don't be shy. You're only talking to, you know, most of the world.
4: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no pressure, no
3: pressure. No Sarah pressure, was yes. like, oh, we just it, did this talk show thing. I was like, it, okay. It, yeah, it's just us uh, here, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. No, It's awesome to be here.
1: Well, good. So well, tell, tell me about your organization and what you do, and then uh, Tara can, you know, Tell me stuff that I don't know as well, and uh, let's go. What you got? What do you guys do?
3: Um, So we are the Friends of Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter. We're a nonprofit, 501c3, that supports Mm -hmm. Santa Rosa County Mm -hmm. Animal Shelter um, just in various ways. Our main mission is obviously animal advocacy, education for the public, um, and just financial support through grants and maybe some things that the shelter itself, since it's not like a direct nonprofit, uh might not be eligible for. So so far we've done um we've gotten some grants for them for surgical equipment. We've got mm-hmm. a dryer over there, um, new gates for the back of the surgery yard and we're working to provide microchip readers to all of the fire departments right now to yeah, that's increase. The- hmm
1: yeah. You know, yeah, I don't and think just people... an a...
3: oh, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, sorry. Right. They we, just had an amazing
2: fundraiser. Um, yeah, little beeper. They gave. Uh, they just recently. They do fundraisers throughout the year as well. So they've done um, pup cup fundraisers, so our animals get special treats. They've done catnip fundraisers, and then recently they did an auction fundraiser. So they raised almost fifteen hundred dollars for the shelter. So they're always um, coming. You know, coming up with great ideas to help get funding for different projects that we're doing at the shelter, as well as just helping. You know, helping further the mission.
1: Yeah, you two sound almost enough alike that I, I'm going to have to really listen to, to distinguish you, so I might, I might ask you, that. who is this speaking now? It's kind of funny actually, uh, but that's okay. I, I, don't, I don't think people realize how much money um, it takes to, to run the shelter. I don't think people realize how big the shelter is, uh, how involved it is, how many staff you have, how many vets uh, or veterinarians and, and other folks that you have there um, that are all part of this. This is a big operation and I don't think, you know, I mean the counties, and we're not a huge county, so what are things like Broward County, some of the bigger counties, you know, uh, uh, the, the major city counties? How, how, I don't even know how they do this. But uh, this is, you know, this is pretty substantial. There's a huge need for this. What's that
0: one? Yes.
3: Um, yeah. Go ahead. Wait for here. it. I think Santa Rosa County um, is a tough area, too, because the shelter is obviously up in Milton, right? right. Um, so a lot of the people down in the south end, and that was one of our main goals as the Friends of as well, was to mm-hmm. kind of bring awareness to the south end because Navarre and Gulf Breeze are almost smack dab in the middle of Pensacola Humane, um, same distance to the Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter. And right. a lot of people don't even know who their county shelter is. So when they're providing support, the financial, the donations, things like that, they're kind of just going to whatever is closest by car, while Santa Rosa County is the one who's obviously actually out here helping their animals and doing the things for the county, right?
1: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. okay. Um, so, so, well, I'm to turn this over to Tara here for a bit. So so tell me more. What uh, have you folks have been working on? What's going on?
2: Um, let's see. Um, we have an adoption event, actually, um, on November 4th, so we're super uh-huh. excited about that. Um, it's going to be here at the shelter, so we're looking for local vendors. If anybody's interested, they can just contact me here at the shelter. So it's going to be pirate theme because we are kind of partnering up with a local Mardi Gras group called the Crew of Wicked Pirates. So I think it's their <laughs> first year.
4: Yeah, so they've chosen
2: us. Are you um we're gonna have it pirate themed. So Arr, their float is pirate themed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna absolutely dress up. Actually, it's so much okay, fun. So our our prime dog for this event is Plankton. His name is Plankton, so we're gonna be, you know, hey, you wanna walk the plank or just walk Plankton? So there you go. But um he's oh, a you know oh, no stop he's right a one, there, stop right and, there.
1: That's that's funny. Wait a minute. Come on. You you, you race And he's so a one eye
2: dog. No, he's a no. Is, dog. Oh,
1: are oh, you gonna put a patch on him? Come on, tell me. Yes,
2: absolutely. We are totally. You're right. hang, hang as a long off as As long as <laughs> he permits it.
1: <laughs> I don't know
2: how far we'll go with it. Whatever, whatever <laughs> he's comfortable with. So plankton. we don't want to pressure I, him. You
1: know, the first thing I thought was you, you named uh, your dog after a crustacean, which I thought was rather interesting. <laughs> but then it makes sense to uh, to say plankton. Okay, fine. Yeah, walk plankton. Got it. Got it. It's, it's perfect. I love
2: yeah, it. He's, so, but how you yeah, he's but yeah, he's gonna kind of. <laughs>
0: He's going to be our main,
2: our main dog, though, but we're going to have some vendors here that day as well, so we're excited. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it's a little last minute. Normally we plan it a little more in advance, but that was the day that we were able to pair up with the crew, and so we're really excited about it, and we're still looking for vendors for that day. So if anyone's interested, they can contact us. We're looking for food vendors and craft vendors, and we mm-hmm. think it's going to be just a fun day for everybody, and it'll be here at the shelter in Santa Rosa County, and adoptions will be only $5, and it'll be from 10 till 2.
1: What's the the date again and time?
2: November 4th. So we've got a couple weeks on that one. But in the meantime, yeah, that's a little ways out. We can get the crew
1: on. We'll have them
0: talk.
2: Yeah, we have. Oh, yeah, Yeah. that'd be great. Yeah, but we've got enough time to plan it and have everybody get excited about it. But in the meantime, we still have PetSmart this weekend. And next Mm -hmm. weekend, we'll be at Petco in Pensacola. So we have events every weekend until then. So we're going to be out and about throughout throughout the town all this month and next month and into December.
1: Yeah, sounds exciting. Well, I want to hear about all these events. And that's why I'm so glad we do yeah. this report. I mean, we've been doing this that long, but it's just such a wealth of information. Um, Michaela, how did you get involved with this? What uh, what caused you to uh, – I, I, do you run the Friends of uh, Santa Rosa Animal Shelter, or, or how did you get started in all this?
3: Um, so I wouldn't say I run it by any means. It is a team. I am the president, um, but it is a good team of people. However and humble. So we still new. <laughs> she does I'm an sorry. amazing job. She's very humble. <laughs> yeah thank you you. Um, so we've kind of started this we're still really young Um, I want to say we joined we all started a year and a half ago Um, and it Uh was mostly just a group of us who got together Um, one of my previous clients um, from my work actually invited me over just to talk about the potential Um, and I love animals. It is what I do for a living. Um, It is what I do in my free time. I absolutely love animals. So I went mm. to this meeting, saw the need, and I decided to join. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it was all just very a natural evolution. I was very gun ho for our, the mission and the support of the community and the animals in it. So uh, here I am
0: now. No, that's so that's good. It's yeah. Really- yeah. So
3: if and people want to join your organization,
1: uh, what, what's your contact information? How do folks get a hold of you?
3: Um, they can, the easiest way to become a member, which we are always looking for members. We're looking for people to help participate and really execute the, the vision, right? The fundraisers, mm-hmm. the events, helping shelter with everything. Um, so to join and become a member, the easiest way is to head over to either our Facebook, Friends of Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter, and click mm-hmm. that link tree right there. It says become a member um, and it will link you to the document. It's five dollars for annual membership. Um, mm-hmm. so it's pretty easy going with it, and all that money obviously goes back into our mission for it so yeah. and we also provide obviously updates with everything quarterly, every event that's going on. Um, yeah it's just it's a great mission.
1: you need a pet parade? I was just thinking of this. You need a little pet parade. Uh, next time there's a festival so in Milton, you need like a dog walk right through the middle of the festival, just clear the people to the side. So now we're going to have the Santa Rosa Animal County, Animal County Shelter. That's hard for me to say. I don't. I can't talk as fast, as fast as Tara does, but I'm working on it. Anyway, <laughs> you know. But you need like a little dog walk. You know, next time they have uh, maybe not July 4th because it's a little bit uh, is a little hot for the critters. But just like walk down the street. You know, go down past the the Imogene Theater, take a left on Willing Street, and go head up, and then they can all jump in the river and have fun. I mean, I, just, I don't know. But it's yeah. So just last you,
5: month we actually dog did walk. a dog parade, um, <laughs> doggy
3: 3K. It wasn't quite a parade; it was a doggy 3K. Yeah, tell me about
1: that. How'd that work?
3: Yeah, it was it was a little warm, so we're planning another one um, for St. Patty's Day, and we're planning to have, like, a costume contest for it uh-huh. and dress all the dogs up in green and everything like uh-huh. that. Um, it's still in the planning phase, obviously, for that one, but that one should be a good opportunity for both people to come out with their dogs and kind of dress them up and have fun and also get the shelter dogs out and get more visibility, because everybody loves a dog dressed up, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Do you have uh, prizes for the, the best Irish wolfhound?
5: The best Irish wolfhound? <laughs>
1: well, so, really you're doing it on St. Patty's Day. <laughs> it's the only first Irish dog I could think of.
5: Oh, sure. We're going to an
1: Irish wolfhound. Yeah, it's going to be a grand time.
2: Anyone, any Irish wolfhound will get a prize. We never see those kinds
3: of guys around here. They're big. Say, well, that they, would be they're
1: huge. Have <laughs> <huge. laughs> you ever yeah. seen one?
3: They yeah. are. They're gentle giants, though. They're so sweet.
1: Unless you're a wolf.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, maybe not
1: so much then <laughs> and that's, that's they're bred They're bred to hunt wolves. So they're uh, it's a, and they're about as big or bigger than, than it's an amazing dog. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Okay, just curious. This is kind of fun. So I get a question actually for both of you now. We have about 10 minutes left. Um, I was thinking about a friend of mine is doing some traveling and the question came up of boarding animals. Um, do you rate boarders? Do you have any recommendations when people they're not so much traveling now? Well, they might be traveling for the holidays, too. What's what do you have recommendations? And this is both for let's start with Tara and then we'll go to Michaela. Uh, What about people that want to uh, put their dogs, you know, and cats up for 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 boarding for a while? You guys don't do that at the shelter, do you?
2: Uh, No, we don't do it as a shelter. Um, We don't really recommend business per se, but I would definitely suggest the people to do your research, check with friends and family to see who they've used. You Mm -hmm. want to make sure that you're comfortable with who it is, and you want to make sure that, I mean, I wouldn't really, I don't know, I'd be really scared to go with somebody that I didn't know personally and never heard of. Like I'd want to go by that word of mouth, like, hey, um, my neighbor used them, and they said they were great, you know, because you're Mm -hmm. entrusting The care of your sweethearts, your babies to these people. Yeah. And, and if there are pets that ask. are coming into your home or if it's a boarding facility, you just want to make sure. And there are a lot of places now that offer like cameras on your pets so you can actually look in and see how they're doing. So if you're going to be worried about your babies, maybe pay a little extra and get a place where it's a little more detailed, but you have that that way to check in on them and then you can physically see them and you know that they're doing okay. So there are lots of options, but I would just say definitely check around word of mouth. If you're going to a different area where you don't know anyone, just do your research mm-hmm. and make sure you don't see any bad reviews and, and just kind of, you know, check it out first before you can your animals to someone.
1: Yeah. Reviews can be kind of sketchy because some people just don't like exactly. other people and they put bad reviews on purpose. So it's, it's really, I think word of mouth and personal connections are the best way to do that. Yeah. Especially word of mouth would like,
0: definitely be the best.
1: Yeah, especially Santa Rosa County, because we all kind of know each other here. It's, it's really, you know, it's a small community. I pity the city folks, but, uh, you know, I've lived yeah. in big cities. It's, just, it's no fun. I like it much better out here. Michaela, what do you think? Do you have any recommendations for people?
3: The same as Sarah. Definitely do your research and also think about the dog or cat you have, right, and what their needs are. So some boarding places do big play groups. That may not be the best environment for an older dog who likes to be alone in that quiet time, right? So right. Um, because there are so many options, I definitely encourage people to think about their individual animal and what would best fit their needs. And nowadays, you even have options like Rover and things like that. You don't even What's have that? to bring your dog anywhere so necessarily. Like, like, like pet so,
1: sitters or something or what?
3: Yep, uh, yep pet sitters, and also book early. And if you are leaving for Thanksgiving, now is the time to find your boarding facility if you haven't okay. already, because they mm-hmm. um, really, they book out so far in advance, and I would hate for someone really? to get to the point where it's a week huh. beforehand, and everywhere is just completely booked, yes. Um, all the holidays, they go very, very quick for the especially the highly recommended places right The really popular ones that people trust those are right booked out very far in advance so yeah, you don't you don't um, be definitely. left with
1: fly-by-night borders <laughs> you know you don't want to <laughs> you know, ah, we'll take no care left. of that last in minute plan. sure no problem yeah right <laughs> i don't think so yeah
3: but um, those are my main tips. And also you can do walkarounds for the facility, too. Tara's talked oh. about the diligence of showing people. Uh-huh. Um, I would go there, too, and meet the people and walk around it as well just to make sure that you are fully comfortable with what the kennels look like, what they'll be doing every day, kind of get that idea. And you can, um, with a lot of boarding facilities, you can buy on extra packages of, like, enrichment or cuddle time or whatever extra stuff you want for your dog. So, um, you know, as a dog advocate. Kit. I am going all out for my pups every single time, and I'm always going to the facility to check it out.
1: You should join us more often. This is good. This is working out well. Um, Tara, do you, I'm going to put this on. Is there more that we should learn about friends of the the shelter, or do you want to talk about some of the critters that are that are available for adoption? What's uh, in our in our six minutes left? What, should, what do you want to do?
0: Oh
2: yeah, so just um, just kind of piggybacking on what Michaela has uh, talked about, you know, mm-hmm. it's a great way. Let's say if you're in the south end of the county, especially, and you can't physically get to the shelter, it's a great way to support the shelter and help out. They're always looking for you know new members to help with fundraising, to, to go to events. The more people they have involved, the more events that they can put on, like in the south end, to get people on in that area involved. Because you know, Milton is a good little height from Navarre, but yet we're still, same, still the same county. So that's a great way to get involved if you can't physically get to the shelter, you can still put forth a lot of effort and help the animals in our community by um, supporting friends of And they're very active with us. We see them all the time. So it's not like they're, they're not present. They know what our needs are. They're in touch with us. Like, we, we have a thread. We talk pretty much almost every day. So they are definitely in touch with the shelter and knowing what our needs are what, are, what we're looking for. They're constantly writing grants for us, so they're always doing something to help the shelter. So if maybe it's a little too far for you to come, that's a great way to get involved, to still. See support your area community and the animals that help, need help, but, you know, you don't have to drive so far.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Now, we're national and international. We'll talk about international sometime later, but uh, um, not, you know, not every county, I think, is as fortunate as we are in terms of animal shelters. Uh, uh, Michaela, do you reach out to other counties across the country, other states, and, uh, you know, see if you can help them and get, get uh, chapters set up for Friends of, like, the local animal shelter? Because it seems to me there's a real need for this.
3: Um, No, so we only focus on the Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter. That is our main scope right now. But I do know right. that other counties who have friends of, we actually, um the thought for friends of the shelter obviously had um expressed a need for it. But there were mm-hmm. other friends of for like Escambia County at one point. So I know there's okay. groups that do the same thing in different counties in different parts of the country as well.
1: Is there a national organization at
2: all?
3: Not uh, you'll have to ask Tara. Sarah might know. I don't. Yeah,
2: I don't so. think so. I think it's just basically, if you're lucky enough to have a nonprofit that supports your shelter, you know, consider yourself lucky because not every shelter has that. And if we, the ones that do oh. have it, it's you know vital to their to their growth. So.
1: Well, if you don't have one, people out there, you can start one.
2: You can start <laughs> one, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: So, so, uh, um, Michaela, because you, your Facebook page, let's do that again. So if someone wants to start a chapter around the country and they want to kind of model themselves on what you're doing, let's get your Facebook page again.
0: It
3: is Friends of Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter, super easy easy to find us on facebook we also have a website um and our email is friends of the src animal shelter at gmail.com so you can also reach out to us there if you have any questions on anything
1: Hmm, sounds good okay uh, and this is a podcast so people can always review it and uh you know catch it that way um tara any any, any critters <laughs> you were featuring this week we got about three minutes
2: Um, yeah, so I think I may have talked about Sparky last week. She's still here. She's our senior dog that is good with dogs, cats, loves children. She's all around good girl. Um, Mm -hmm. she's just an old lady with arthritis. She just wants to lay on the couch and just catch some Z's and give some love. And we're hoping to find a home for her. And then we also have a really great guy named Fisher who's a cute little fuzzy lab mix, maybe lab chow. He's kind of fluffy we took him to an event yesterday evening and he was a little shy in the shelter so we weren't sure how he would do he loves he was like the hit with all the children he loved every person he met and was especially excited about meeting kids but he's very calm so if someone's looking for maybe a kid-friendly dog that's like a medium size, cute little black lab mix fluffy hair adorable i think he would be a great match for someone so they should come on up to the shelter and meet our guy fisher he's very handsome as well and uh, if they go to our facebook page there may be a couple pictures of them from yesterday if not we'll make sure to get one posted and then as far as cats we've just got kittens galore coming through left and right getting adopted so quickly i don't even know who's up there this week yeah they're getting adopted so fast which is awesome so right now i think we have a few and then they go really quickly it's kind of like you know hotcakes. they get up there and before you know it oh there's another one so if you if you come in and you don't see a kitten just come back in about three or four days there's probably going to be new faces
1: now, do you get a lot of the, the cats from the feral cats out there who are having litters all the time? And I know there's a pretty big population I think in, in Escambia County. I'm not sure how big it is in, in Santa Rosa County. I mean we don't have, you know, packs of wild dogs running around that were, you know, former domesticated. But we do have cats out yeah. there. Absolutely. Absolutely. yeah, what's going yeah, on with we that? Have a- um
2: Yeah, so we have, that's one of the reasons that we continue to try to do our community cat program, which is spay and neuter, and we offer that free to the public for unowned animals, and we post the dates on our website, well, our website and our Facebook page as they open up, and we just kind of do it when we're able. I think September we did a couple. This month we've done one, and that just tries to help curtail that population, and they're not all feral. Some of them are you can pet them or you can they'll come up to you maybe they don't want you to pick them up but they're friendly enough or sometimes they're super friendly so we just want to make sure these guys are getting their vet care and getting altered as well because if you're if you're feeding an animal you're kind of taking on the the caretaker role so you need to try to if you know and sometimes people can't afford to go and get that animal altered so this is a way that they can still do their part all they have to do is get them up here during a um Cat community, community cat day, and we will get them altered. So, And then, you know, some of these kittens that are coming up from animals that are out there that are community cats, if we can get the kittens and if we have space and we're able to socialize them before they're feral, then, you know, these five kittens that were going to be wild are now going to be in loving homes so we do try to encourage people you know if you're able to get a hold of the kittens and work with them and then try to contact us we can't guarantee we'll we'll be able to take them it depends on space but we'll do our best to assist and we definitely want to help get those moms fixed and and the dads neutered as well so that this problem doesn't continue
1: yeah. Let's get your phone number. And one more time, I got Derek on the line and we're going to go to our financial report. Totally different report. <laughs> we have the right. Then we go to the gun reports after that. So we have some, it's an interesting day. So let's just get address and phone and we'll do it again next week. And Michaela, thank you. It's great to have you on the show.
3: Thank you so much for having
2: me. All right, so Tara? Santa Rosa Animal Services at 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. Our phone number is 850-983-4680. Or check out Facebook or Instagram or our website at santarosa.fl.gov slash animals.
1: Perfect. We'll see you hopefully both next week, but if not, certainly Tara, we'll talk to you next Friday. Okay. Thank you.
2: All right, thanks. Have a good week.
1: Okay, bye now. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities. And then there are the markets. Oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park, our Action Radio financial reporter, joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets. And your money. Yeah, oh, nothing going on in the economy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yawn. <laughs>
4: Good morning, Derek.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, exactly. Lots going on. Well, I, I want to talk inflation because um, everybody, everybody's worried about the interest rates, but that's not the problem. The problem is inflation causing the need for the interest rates to go up. And so I, I really wish we could make this. The news doesn't ever make this connection. We do because we know what's going on. But they're forecasting another $2 trillion uh, you know, beyond the revenue coming in. So that's, that's all deficit spending. So they have to borrow that money. So that, that guarantees more inflation, which guarantees the interest rates are going to rise. But no one talks about that. You know, any of the financial yeah. journals talking about this? You know, but we know that that's the thing. It's the accelerator and the brake. If you step on the accelerator of printing money, you're going to have inflation. And if you have inflation, the, the customary method of trying to stop it is raising interest rates, which is the brake. But it does nothing if you stand both on the accelerator and the brake. Your wheels are still spinning, mm-hmm. and you just you just destroying the economy. Does anybody else get that, or they yeah. just know it and they don't care? What's what's what do you think?
6: I mean, I I think you know the people in Congress see it. Um, it it just um, you know I I don't think they're really to a point where they realize that it's that it's uh, you know a a significant impact. Um, you know, it's it's a It's a little hard to pin down, you know, I mean, it's like you're trying to figure out somebody's thinking, but it seems like common sense to us, um, you know, I mean, hell, the, you know, Republicans can't even get their crap together and get a speaker in there, you know what I mean? That was my next question. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, you guys really wanted it. Now you wanted it. Now you can't figure out what to do with it. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well,
1: you, you know, McCarthy back because he's a deep state. We call him Kevin McDeep state around here. He made that horrendous deal with Brandon, which I think is unconstitutional. Speaker of the house cannot negotiate with the president directly because all legislation has to come out of the Congress. So the legislation comes first, then they can negotiate. That's fine. But you can't do it before the bill. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's blatantly unconstitutional. So so the fact that he made that deal and I don't know what's going on. It's like the the deep state still wants their person in because the speaker. Now, here's what's interesting. When Paul Ryan was speaker or John Boehner was speaker, they were the deep state operative. They made sure that nothing good came out of a Republican Congress. And they're very good at it. And so now Kevin, Kevin's job was exactly the same. Nothing good come out of, uh, you know, you'll never see the 12 appropriations bills, you'll never see the, the logical spending, you'll never see inflation stop, you know, by them actually living within their means. They just, they're just standing on that accelerator all the time. I don't know what the problem is with Congress either, because, you know, we're both in Matt Gates district. And so he's got the right idea. Yeah. Uh, I think Jim Jordan yeah. would be great. I want in I think I wrote an article on why Trump should be speaker. I, I didn't like it at first, but as I thought about it, and as I read different things that people were saying, I was like, you know what, that'd be an interesting idea. Uh, that seems to have gone though, unfortunately. What do you think that would have done?
6: Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's uh you know, Trump as speaker, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I'm sure that's going to stir up more of a hornet's nest, you know, all these uh all these folks that are kind of out to get him, you know, that's going to ramp up. Um you know, they're going to be
1: looking them. for reasons. To... <laughs> he could have passed.
6: Those. Oh, I'm sure. Be
1: funding most of the Department of Justice. He could have had them all investigated. You know, you could have the uh, special committee on the uh, the stolen 2020 election. I mean, he could have done a bunch of things. I You know, it'd be nice to, to still do that. But, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. Jim Jordan's like not a bad choice. But how much does the speaker have, uh, you know, in terms of markets? I mean, how much do the markets watch Congress? They, or is it they just watch the spending? Just, they just wait for the bills to come out? Do they
6: care who the speaker I, is? I don't know that. I don't know that specifically. You know what I mean? Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's getting a little bit more detailed on my understanding of the government. <laughs>
1: okay. And just to let folks know, I always ask Derek, in fact, I ask everybody impossible questions. Most of these are speculative. There is no evidence for what we talk about a lot of times. But uh, but that's what makes it interesting because so many people are reporting what was, and I'd rather, you know, look into what could be <laughs> you know, because I think it's more fun. All right. Well, let's go with the report. And then see what other stuff, and anything that's that's of concern to you, uh, you can let me know, and then we can kind of go from there.
6: All right. Sounds good. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. Stocks fall after September inflation report. Stocks finished lower in response to the September Consumer Price Index. Inflation report that showed headline CPI came in slightly above expectations, while core CPI continued to moderate. On the labor market front, initial jobs claims were largely in line with consensus expectations and were unchanged at two hundred and nine thousand from the prior week. U.S. Treasury yields move higher after declining for three consecutive days, with the ten year finishing around four point seven percent. Small cap stocks were notable underperformer today, shedding over two percent. Overseas Asian markets finished trading Firmly higher on news that China's sovereign wealth is increasing at stake in its country's largest four banks, providing a boost in sentiment for the region. The followed news from earlier this week that Chinese policymakers were considering the budget deficit in order to stimulate economic activity. Following this week's inflation reports, the markets will likely shift to corporate earnings over the coming weeks. Oh wow, this is a big report. My goodness.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a okay. good thing we started early. Then cause I already have questions for
6: you. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. And well, now, there's a, there's page the, two. The, <laughs> yeah, there's a there's you know the the page goes into deeper detail into a lot of well, things. Well, you can so skip all, all that. A, uh, uh, we're going yeah. to do our own detail. Let's um, just go for numbers. Yeah. Right. Um, U.S. equities closed lower with the Dow Jones down 174 points or .51 to 33,631. NASDAQ closed down 85 points or .63 to 13,574. And the S&P 500 closed down 27 points or 0.62 to 43.50. Again, in the bond market, treasury yields training at 4.71%. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil was flat at 83.45, and the price of gold was down $5.60 or minus 0.3 to 18.81.70. This is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. You can get me at 850
1: do you find it interesting that there is more detail in this financial report this week? Are they trying to explain something?
6: What do you um, think? I mean, they've done it before. It just, um, let's see here. Let, hold on. It goes into September CPI report, mostly in line with expectations. So uh, it just goes more into the CPI report. You know, hmm. so, um, um, you know, talks about food and energy. So, so really, to put... Inflation into perspective. All the prices on everything are falling, except the things Americans use most, um, <laughs> which is going to be stop right there. <laughs> that, That's that. That yep. in itself is
1: news. Um, in fact, I find it conspicuously absent that the inflation number wasn't given. What is inflation these days? What do the reports say? Because it's not in that report that you gave. And I'm like, okay, what's the inflation? What's the percent? And it's not there.
6: That in itself to it's me was very good interesting. Report. I think it's at uh, I think it's at three point what's it three point eight three point nine. Well, that's Hold not on. bad. So
1: I'd just say four yeah, percent, right. roughly. Okay. Uh, what's the trend? Has it been increasing, decreasing? Because it was up. I think nine was the high uh, before they started dumping oil into the uh, our petroleum reserve. Yeah, Is that like a trend right? on it. Uh, so, so let's um, take it from the beginning of uh, Brandon it was Trump's inflation was what this, one percent, two percent, somewhere in there it was really low. I was trying.
6: We've got a we've got a chart that shows the CPI and I'm I'm looking for it.
1: Is that the same as inflation, the consumer price index,
6: or is that a, a different yeah, measure? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's that's the that's the inflation, you know, thermometer.
1: OK, uh, come on. Where's the I just find it interesting. It was not yeah. in the right. So here, here we have a financial report talking about inflation, but they don't actually give the inflation number. That to me is interesting. I just, you know. It's, 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 it's a lot of times it's not what's in the news. It's what's not in the news that can be the most interesting. And why is that not in the news? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
6: So consumer price and I said three point nine, three point seven is what okay. it's
4: at. all right.
6: Yeah, so a little better, but that not rate much. is effective as of you know two weeks ago when the data started coming out. So
0: okay.
6: um you know, so so as I said in the statement, the the things we use most, you know, so housing. Well, I did see a report that said housing has seen its biggest decrease, you know, in like three years. Um, you know, where it was like ten percent reduction on average. Some mm-hmm. markets more than that. Um, you know that that they're starting to see house prices fall because the inventories are starting to stack. So okay. Uh, housing, housing is seeing the impact that they need. Next is food. Food, food prices are not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Food prices, mm-hmm. according to this report, actually said uh, they went up. You know, so um, you know it's it's uh, food costs are are an issue. Um, and then the next thing is is fuel. You know, I mean when fuel costs are up, um, everything else remains. Everything else goes you know? up too. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. 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 That's right. And then drives know, so, the economy. Um, yeah it is yeah so it goes into detail on the on the CPI and then um the final part of it which is pretty detailed talks about corporate earnings that are coming up so this this week is um you're going to see some some big banks coming in um you know Wells Fargo has already already posted some positive information their their uh, their their quarterly financials
0: okay coming All in right. this week right yeah.
6: so that's normally you know i mean big banks when they come in it you know that's normally a uh, you right. know a, A kind of a significant event, Um, you know, so um, Wells Fargo obviously uh, had some good data that came out. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, You know, I'm not sure about the other ones or who's in line. It doesn't necessarily say in this report, so I'd have to go look to see who's who's reporting this week.
1: Yeah, Well, I was thinking about this. Uh, you said that the things that are, are still higher in price are the things that Americans need most. And that makes sense. It's, you know, basic supply and demand. The demand for food is constant. I don't think people vary how much they eat each week. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure that's, well, although kids grow up and they're going to eat more, but I mean, but basically the, the demand for food I think would be fairly constant given the population. Now, of course, if you increase the population as Brandon has done, we've got 15 million people that shouldn't be here. That alone is going to create more demand for food and for, energy and for everything else. Um, do you see that the, the, it makes sense that the constant demand items, the luxury items people can come and go if they're low enough in price they'll buy them but, but otherwise not like travel. You know, if the airline prices suddenly drop to half of what they are, a lot more people would travel. So you can increase demand that way or you know, but because yeah. they lower the price. But food, you know, I mean there's no incentive for them to lower the price of food because people need food. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Huh.
6: So it, it will eventually come down because people, you know, if if and, and this might even take recession. So you have to realize that, uh, that it, you know, people will get to a point where they'll start buying less. You know, I mean, they'll start aiming mm-hmm. for cheaper items. You know, yep. it's just when they when they feel the money supply really, really, really take hold, mm-hmm. you know, then then, you know, the the shift, you know, buying the expensive deli meats, all that stuff starts to come to an end um right. you know uh buying extra meat putting it in the freezer that stuff comes to an end you know so eventually um you, you know the costs are going to have to come down because you, you know the, the supply houses are going to start filling up mhm interesting you know so yeah from steaks um, to hamburger it, it, from
1: hamburger to to chicken from chicken to pasta from pasta to beans right <laughs> you know
6: I mean, right. you just keep working you know, your way down the scale yeah. yeah so we're we're a long way away from that though you know what i mean right. so um you know i think you know you're still looking at at food costs um you know that are that are you know 30 to 40 percent higher um mm-hmm. uh, you know i don't know that they're going to go back to that point you know i mean they're they're, they're never going to go back to that point inflation has spiked so bad you know you might see a 20 percent decrease in prices and that's going to be the new baseline you know right. so i don't know what the what that certain number is um you know same thing with housing you know i mean people thinking you know houses are going to go back down to where you can find you a good house at 175 grand those days are gone you know, I mean, like I, I just unless the house is, you know, in, in disrepair, um, you know, trying to find you something that that, you know, is, is going to be in good condition at a good price, you know, is is going to be very hard. I'm not going to say it's not going to exist, but it's going to be very, very difficult to uh, to 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 find.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've just I haven't been in a position to actually buy a house, but if I bought one in California when I got there in 1984,
6: probably sold it for ten
1: times what I paid for it. You know, so that would have paid off everything. Then I kind of come out here and bought one for cash. You know, because it was the houses per here are like ten percent what they were in the Bay Area. So one point five million dollar right. house in in the Bay Area would cost about 150 thousand here when I got here in seventeen. Now, granted, like you say, those days are gone, but it would have been nice to have the extra capital to buy one, which I would have done. But it just, you know, it's my oh, yeah. nice circumstance. I've got a weird story. I'll tell it later. But, you know, but the thing is that if you can look ahead a little bit, you know, and, and see these trends, housing around here before the boom started, which is probably what, three years ago, maybe? When, when did people start moving to Santa Rosa County? What, you know, oh, was I mean, it, it, was it, it? It started in,
6: probably in, you know, 2018, 2019. Okay. All right. So
1: I just, I got here at the right time. I just couldn't take advantage of it, <laughs>
6: which is yeah. Bad. So, so, yeah. I mean, it, you know, the big boom probably started, you know, I'd call it 18 to 19, but, you know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, the, the big influx of, you know, people who coming from these, these, you know, overpriced blue states, um, you know, I would say, um, you know, that definitely picked up 2021, you know, mm-hmm. that was a, you oh, know, the flood, floodgates of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, not just that, I mean, there are higher taxes, I mean, you know, higher, you know, higher cost of living going up, you know, I mean, so mm-hmm. when inflation does that, you start to see people looking for some reprieve somewhere.
1: i think say something else, too, that people don't figure, it's not really reported in the news, and I got Pianchi, I'll get to him in a second, but it's miserable, uh, it was miserable living in California. California, when I got there in the 80s, was friendly, it was fun, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we had real diversity in San Francisco, there is no majority population, it's, you know, it's a quarter white, quarter black, quarter Asian, quarter Hispanic, and we got along fine, but as the pressure, as California developed and boomed and became, quote, more diverse when they actually worked at political segregation, I became a very unfriendly place. And people started yelling at each other and screaming and, and, you know, even going grocery shopping became a miserable experience because people of different groups would just cut you off in line, figuring that uh, I had white privilege. You know, And it got that bad. And I said, you know what? I don't want to live here. I don't, I, I'm not going to fight this. It's not going to win. I'm never going to win. I'm never going to beat these people. They're just rude and I can't deal with it. I've had enough. And so I come here. And all of a sudden, it's like a very military area. People are civil. Everybody's calling me sir. I'm old. But it's, it's nice, at least, because it's polite. So a lot of people are trading a miserable leftist. Of course, now with the looting, it's completely different. I mean, I understand people are leaving. But I don't know if you measure this on an economic scale, but there's a misery scale of people that are getting out because it's just a hostile environment. You know, I had a school that used to protest. They, they would send their students out in front of a Mexican flag. All right. There's, so a Mexican flag is marching down my street because I used to live about three blocks from an elementary school. They're marching down my street behind a Mexican flag in my country. And I'm furious. Obviously, I'm not going to stop them because mm-hmm. the school is doing this, you know, on our tax dollars. But I, I figure the only solution was to leave. Is that ever measured in terms of, of, you know, why people move? It's not just economics. A lot of it's really cultural. And I don't see that talked about much.
6: Derek? Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure it is you know mm-hmm. i mean it's it's uh you know some people want to escape the 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 cultural differences that are that are going on um economic differences i mean I'm sure it's a mix of it all you know what mm-hmm. i mean so um and you know i know my i know my uh um you know one of my family members lived in a in a town that was kind of overtaken by the bad part of town you know and I'm just mm-hmm. kind of leaving it at that. Um, no, I understand. And let's just say they weren't, they weren't welcome. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. uh, it, 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 it literally forced them out of an area, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, I know even the town that I grew up in, um, which, you know, wasn't it, where the, my side of town wasn't that, but the school I had to go to was, was definitely a, a hybrid of it. Um, mm. and I dealt with that stuff, you know? So, yeah. um, I just saw an article on, uh, it was on YouTube where, you know, one of this guy who's like a, one of the biggest geopolitical figures in the world, um, you know, basically, who is extreme leftist, um, you know, got on and said, you know, while everybody thinks diversity is our strength, he said, it's, be- it's becoming our weakness. Yep, oh, um, It's was. becoming our weakness. Because we already had diversity. Because uh, we're yeah, naturally a so, diverse so, nation. So, yeah. Yeah, it. He was also saying that, like you know, when you when you open your borders and floodgates to all of these other ideals and these other you know political ideologies, these other you know ethnic, these other racial, these other you know everything, you know, he says, uh, you know, you're exposing your own culture and your own people to that, and you need to be prepared for the consequences. He says it's not all bad. He says, Glee, in the in the past you know five to ten years, it has been bad. You know, it's resulted
1: in in... immigration based on assimilation works. People that come here from different places, bring us their wonderful culture, food, religion, whatever else they want to bring here is great as long as they become Americans and understand that uh, freedom and liberty and individual rights are paramount. As long as you understand that, no problem. But if you come here with your culture and you want to take over our country and say that your culture and your country and your politics are better than our founding documents, then no, I have no use for you. Mm -hmm. And that's how I divide it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Okay.
0: For sure. Pianchi?
1: Let's get Pianki in this conversation. Do you, see, well, you, do you know, see cultural, economic moves where people are just sick of an area? They just don't want to be part of, uh, you know, leftist, uh, enforced, you know, diversity, communism, and everything else. What do you think?
0: Pianki?
4: Well, and good morning, Eric. Immigration is a yeah, privilege. Immigration is a privilege, not a right. And people that come to this a country, any country, you're supposed to add to the development of the country to make it better, not to, to take from it, and that's what you see going on now. It's a burden. Uh, I know what you mean, Greg, when you said you would seen these individuals walking down the street with a Mexican flag in the neighborhood. But you know something: Mexican Constitution for, forbids that. You can't demonstrate, march in Mexico, flying a foreign flag. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I wrote an
1: article, which I'm going to release one day. I wrote it on, the, on Flag Day. I said we should burn Mexican flags on, on American Flag Day just as a protest. Uh, I don't know if I want to do that now, but <laughs> this is one of my things back there. Well, let's, let's talk about the, 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 the economy of illegal aliens. Has the market thought about this? Have they thought about the cost of this? And here's a question I've never asked you. NGOs, like Catholic Charities, Lutheran Charities, um, are they nonprofits? Can Are they publicly traded? Do people buy stock in Catholic Charities? Or are these totally separate organizations that are exclusively funded by our tax dollars and things like that? That's probably two questions. Let's start with the NGOs.
6: That's a a tough question. Um, Okay. As for, you know, have people done studies on the economic impact of illegal immigration? Yes. I'd have to go. I don't know them off the top of my head, but I know I've seen data on it.
1: Yeah. Well, I have too, but I'm just curious if it's been reflected in the market of have, have, uh, uh, people in certain industries saying that, that maybe cater to illegals like Colony Ridge in Texas. It's an entire city of illegal aliens. Are certain industries benefiting? Like you talked about demand, housing demand. You know, these people are going to want to live somewhere even though they can't be here. Um, so I'm wondering if certain industries billion. are adapting. Go ahead. What's that, Pianki?
4: I think it's $114 billion. I read a study a couple of years ago. I believe it's about $114 billion a year. Campaign. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's a statistic. I'm, I'm I know is out there. I've just
6: never seen it.
0: Yeah. So,
1: but how about companies? You know. I'm I'm, just, I'm wondering if, how, specifically the market, specifically you know uh, stocks and things, that, and certain companies benefit from illegal aliens, like the hotel industry. You know, the chambermaids and dishwashers, um, the the meat packing, meat processing places are notorious for hiring illegal aliens. So, there's certain industries that you, you're seeing any kind of a change, or is anything being reported? On industries benefiting, you know, from illegal aliens, and it being reflected in the stock price. I mean, you may not know. I don't. You know, I don't know if this is even being reported. I'm just guessing. Yeah, it,
6: I, it, it holds water, you know. But I, I'd have to dig. You know, what I mean, like yeah. I, I, I don't know that specific.
1: Well, if you run across it, I mean, you know, like I say, a lot of these questions I ask, uh, it just you know pop into my head right at the spur of the moment while we're talking about it. Uh, and so that, I know that's tough on you just because you don't, and you don't have to have an answer. I mean, I keep saying this, you, you know, you can guess as much as I'm guessing. It just seems to me that the, 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 there's, a, there's a, there's a business angle to this, that people are making money. The companies are making money off cheap labor because everybody else's is, is, uh, everybody else's wages are being, you know, forced down because they can say, well, I can just hire an illegal, you know, no one's going to stop me. Whereas if we seize their company for hiring illegal, yeah, they wouldn't do it. So let's talk right. about the, 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 let's talk about labor rate, um, so when they measure jobs, I've heard some things that these, these, these numbers are skewed, that they're really not necessarily new jobs. They might be old jobs from COVID or they're not taking into account the people that have not – that aren't even looking for a job anymore. What's, what's going on with the numbers on the, on the jobs that you know, on the reporting of the, the job numbers?
6: Um, oh, okay. So so. I guess – No, I know there's stuff out there on it. Um, I don't know it off the top of my head. Yes, would the numbers be skewed from from what happened with COVID, you know, putting people back in place, so on and so Uh forth? Yes. we all know this, but, but, you know, who's got the numbers? I know there's stuff out there on it. I just have to go dig it out. I mean, are the – are the Bureau of Labor Statistics and all that stuff? Are they paying attention to it? Probably not, because it's going to make you know the current administration look a lot worse than they than they are. Yeah,
1: Bidenomics. Uh, let's say maybe it's something that we we can uh, establish. And again, feel free. You know, check the podcast out. Check all these. I got like six questions for you for for the next several weeks, probably. Uh, Bidenomics is a joke. We know the economy sucks. Uh, compared to what it could be and these people are ranting and raving like somehow it's like they believe their own lies or they don't care about their own lies. I mean, is the market taking these people yeah. seriously? What what's what's the view on uh like Wall Street for Bidenomics?
6: Um, Oops. you know, you know because the the news industries are are have a little favoritism, um you know, it's it's uh you know, it's sad to say that 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 it's very thin. You know, I mean, Uh you see stuff and you see some articles that pop up every once in a while that are like, hey, you know, I mean, this thing, you know, needs work. And then you go, you know, the you you get the press secretary, you know, where people start asking the questions and, you know, she gets on there. Oh, the economy is just great. You know what I mean? Like, what planet are you living on? (laughs) (laughs) Well, In other words, either she lies
1: and that's her job to lie. She's paid to lie. She doesn't care. She knows the truth and it doesn't matter. Or she's a complete idiot. I'm not sure which. It's hard to know.
4: I got I got a question too, Derek. Uh, sure, go ahead. Robots and AI and any software that takes the place of a human being, a worker, they should be taxed that employee tax as if they was working. Because when a person, and we know the ramification when a person is no longer working, no longer paying that tax, then the community suffers. You know, you look at California. California, after the is about thirty-two thousand dollars, thirty-two billion in a deficit. So I don't know how they're going to raise that money and continue to go up. So, what's your opinion? Should not they not tax robots as if they are employees working twenty-four hours a day? Ah, uh-huh. man! <laughs> you guys got all you the glad you us today. today?
0: <laughs> I know. I you mean, a fun day I, for you, I yeah.
6: would you know from a, from a revenue standpoint i would yeah. i would say um yes i mean i guess you know i mean like if if you're cutting out workers you know i mean like the state's not going to have the revenue the 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 feds not going to have the revenue i mean if they could replace everybody with robots yes yeah, more efficient and they they save money tax wise but mm-hmm. now the economy eventually suffers you know what i mean so it's yeah who's it's, gonna uh, buy the products
1: the robots know, make if nobody's making any money <laughs> you know henry Ford. right right uh, uh henry yeah, Ford was it's, famous it's, for for paying a higher wage than everybody else because he said look we need the middle class I said, if you don't pay these people money they're not gonna be able to buy anything and this is why i think unions are really good too because we'll talk about united Auto workers in a second but have these people thought that far ahead that if you if you replace everybody with robots and you don't have jobs you know who's going to buy the products the robots produce
6: yeah, I mean that's that that holds water. I mean, I I you know I don't know that I I agree with it. Don't agree with it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd like to see some statistics and some and some studies, but I mean that's a good thing, Pianchi. I mean, it's like, you know, where and, we, you know, where do we go? Thing, oh, hold on, Pianchi. when
4: you're at the supermarket, oh, you right. at the supermarket, and you go through those those uh, cubicles. I guess they call it cubicles. Your self scan station. Yeah. Those should be yeah. taxed like the same tax you apply to them. That and way, if you say that too loud, man, the government's going to get <laughs> They're going to start well, getting up. No, I'm you tax
6: the there. company.
1: Well, it'd be interesting to tax uh, the company for the cost of uh, Of that. You, I disagree with that, Pianki and I'll tell you why. Because what that's going to do is if you tax a robot as a person, you're going to stop innovation in the corporations. You might stop other things that save us money. You might stop more productive means. And, the, and, and I think that uh, there's other jobs to be had. There's other things, as industries, there's, this opens up for entrepreneurs. I mean, people that lose a, a salary job, uh, like me, I've never really gotten a good one. So I started a company. So I think that, the, that you, you can have innovation, there are ways to do it. If we did the same thing with uh, blacksmiths, for example, all right? So when the, when the horse and buggy days ended, if we taxed uh, automakers for the cost uh, that we're not getting from blacksmiths, you know, tax people for that, you know, what would that do for the automakers? So I think I've got a problem. I understand what your well, logic is. I hear is. what
4: you're saying, not to get into an yeah. argument, but okay, no, no, went to it. Work physically we yeah. in something else. But when uh-huh. you have, like in a grocery store, you have self-checkout scanners. Each one of those uh-huh. machines should be taxed an employee tax. Now, the company still don't have to pay insurance. They don't have to pay workers' compensation. They don't have to pay re- retirement, but you still have to run the community. And the taxes that from the employee tax that goes to look at Social Security, mm-hmm. look at FICA,
0: right.
4: And when you take away the input of those, then you start having problems elsewhere. So no, the
6: tax. Oh yeah, are. yeah, yeah. That's true. You start having problems with Social Security. Uh, you know, I mean, that's you, you know, I mean, I know you listed it, but um, you know, I mean, people have to pay into that. If you're not filling that tank, uh, the biggest problem with Social Security currently is that. Uh, you, you know, people are people are living longer. Um, so they're they're kind of burning up Ooh, the benefits. Like, right? They the didn't they didn't expect people <laughs> to live as long.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. It's interesting when that uh, when Social Security came in, the retirement age was sixty five, and the average life expectancy was like fifty. <laughs> so they had sixteen years, you know, of uh, you know, oh, yeah. of, of free yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, my solution, and I got Candy in line too. Well, let me bring her on and see if she wants to talk about this just just really quickly for a minute. Um, but um, and I got a new theme for you, Candy. You're gonna love this. Uh, but but Social Security, the cure is very simple. I mean, it has to go to a Chilean system which is mandatory 10%, not 15 but 10% of your money goes into an account of your choosing. It's a private account. You can invest it in, give three options, like you know stocks, real estate, whatever. It doesn't matter. But you have a very simple investment thing. Uh, the government can't touch it, and you get all of it You know when you retire, and it's still yours. And then it becomes your family's. You can, you can move it away. And for a 10% uh, investment over the lifetime, you'd make far more money than Social Security would ever give anybody, especially if it compounds over your lifetime. You Right?
6: Is this administered by the government, or do they let private companies do it? I would do it private, but I would mandate. I would mandate it well, from the government. Well, of course they private. would do it so private. No, I was just asking. In, in this, I don't know about it. I'd, I'm going to go look it up. But look
1: at um, the Chilean system. Yeah, I've been talking know, about
6: it for years. Yeah, yeah. Cato
1: Institute and, and the big and thing in that instance, right.
6: Instant, uh-huh. right. Yeah. In that instance, like if, if our government got a hold of that, golly, think about what kind of a wreck that would no,
1: be. No, 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 no. It's got nothing to do with government. Government yeah. just mandates that it happens. So in other <laughs> words, say, say people – so at, at 18 years old, people start working, just for an example, right? Uh, and then 10% Damn. of what they make goes into a private account. And say they just put it in the S&P 500. So people with 10% of the money oh, in the gosh. S&P 500 over the course of 40 years. Uh, 40 years old age to like 62.
6: 10, 10% 40. of their earnings cl- growing over time. I mean, golly, Compound. man, they'd have, y'all, yo, man, you know I mean? Even if they worked a basic job, golly, probably yeah. $2 million, easy. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that that's would your be answer phenomenal. to social security. Candy, yeah. what do you think? Well, you know, so the problem, the I, problem. I you, think you it know, would be in, phenomenal. In, in, yeah. yeah. Okay. The problem with like Americans, you know what I mean? Like in, in, in our society is, you know, we're given the freedom to make that choice. And most people, they choose to, to not do that. They choose to have TVs and phones and, you know, J's on their well, feet, like you mandate and, it. it. You know,
1: with us, but they're already mandating 15%. So I'm talking about a 5% reduction. Okay. 10%. All right. So you get a 5% extra money that, you, that the government's not taking because who's, that's 15%. Who's mandating 15%? The The government is.
6: Oh, there you're talking about
1: for Social Security? Tax. For Social Security, it's 15%. Oh, now, they say seven yeah. and a half divided, but it's not. The company sets aside yeah, 15% no, no, no. of the money that they yeah. would have paid you, and they send it to the government. So it's a 15% That's right, tax. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So make it 10, give people 5% more money over the course of their lifetime, and put 10% in a private account, uh, and you have some various investments. They can't touch it You know, until maybe 62 early retirement, or just make it 60, whatever. It doesn't matter. 60 years will be a great time, so you're young enough to go play and have fun. Anyway. Derek, let's get your phone number one more time. I'm going to go to Candy, but this has been fascinating today. I think all we have right. more questions than answers.
6: Yeah, right. Um, all <laughs> right. Well, thanks, everybody. This is Derek with the uh, Action Radio Financial Report. You can give me an 850 right. Thank you. So, Candy,
1: I've got a new theme for you. Here we go. Every once in a while, you run across Ooh. someone who doesn't quite fit the image of who you expect. And sometimes you get totally surprised. This is one of those times. Candy Petticord is a facilitator of A Girl and a Gun, a state leader, DC Project Women for Gun Rights, a training coordinator, Buckeye Farms Association, a board member of Faster Save Lives, an NRA Life member and training counselor, and a USCCA instructor. And for the rest of the story, you'll just have to listen to Candy Petticard because this is the Black Mama Bear Gun Report on Action Radio. Yes. There you go, darling. How's that?
0: <laughs> oh my
5: gosh, I love it. Love it.
1: That's awesome. See what happens when you let me loose with the production board? Stuff happens.
5: I know, right? That's yeah. awesome. I'm listening yeah. to that and I'm like Ooh, I wonder
1: who he's talking about. <laughs> I guess I'm talking like, about you.
0: <laughs>
1: so this is what I do. So, so like, you know, oh, I get yeah. creative. This, is, this is why I have to listen to a report for several weeks before I get a theme in my head of how to do this. And the hardest part, actually, is picking the music. Um, but so once I get the music and I get the script, and you obviously know where it came from because you gave me all that information. Um, so then it just became a matter of uh, putting it all together. So they, that should put you in a good mood. So tell me what's going on.
5: Very good mood. Uh, what's Black what's bear on gun right report? Now?
1: <laughs> I just like saying that. Uh, I know, <laughs> <Anyway>. right?
5: <laughs> right now, um, honestly, I'm kind of reveling in a uh meeting that I had last night. I had uh-huh. my girl in the gun uh chapter meeting last night uh-huh. and I was just blown away because number one, my classroom was jam packed um uh, uh-huh. full of ladies. We told them ahead of time what the topic was going to be. It was going to be situational awareness, mm-hmm. and my classroom was packed. And these ladies just—they—they they were just sponges. And we talked about all these different types of situations that go on every single day. Uh, we used uh, footage from—oh um, gosh, I'm having an uh, act of self-protection. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We use different footage from there to uh, show different scenarios, and oddly enough, a lot of them happened at gas stations. Do you know that an inordinate amount of attacks happen at gas stations?
1: No, I believe How it because you're distracted. That. You're focused. You're, you're staring yeah. at your car. You're staring at the tank. You're looking at the price. You're not looking at the person walking around from behind your car. Actually, that makes perfect sense.
5: And the other thing we noticed, too, is uh, many of these attacks had nothing to do with the person pumping gas. They hadn't even gotten to pumping gas yet. They're messing around in their car. Yeah, they're messing around in their car or they're fumbling on their phone or they're headed off apparently like to the store itself or something like that. But it had very little to do with them actually pumping gas and I it it was very yes I found that very interesting because when I go to a gas station as soon as I'm out the door the Mm -hmm. doors get locked I'm scanning around me I immediately go to my gas putting in my card I look at the pump long enough to see where the slot is for my card other than that I'm scanning all around me it's just it's just the mindset, I guess. And I think if someone were looking at me, they'd think I was some kind of nutcase because no. my head is always on a swivel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, I don't care what they think. But when we were looking at these videos last night, mm-hmm. there, there was one where the lady leaves her car. And like I said, it looks like she's walking to the gas station itself. And she's got her purse down by her side, and this guy comes from the side, directly to her, and Mm -hmm. she doesn't even look at him, doesn't turn in his direction. Well, you don't offend him, acknowledge he's there, especially
1: if they're a minority person. The white woman doesn't want to offend the minority person by being judgmental, and that
5: that's exactly what the situation was.
1: Yeah, okay.
5: For crying out loud! Oh my gosh! Just so. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me as an instructor, as a woman, as a mom, it's it was just infuriating to watch these videos and to see... Because I, I would love to take all these people and just put them in a class and be well, like, Well, do you ever teach, okay, like, the, the dangers
1: of white guilt? I mean, you could do a whole, whole class on the dangers of white guilt. Get a bunch of white women together and say, oh. look, you idiots, <laughs> you know, stop, being, stop <laughs> thinking that uh, everything you do is racist. Okay? You're not. <laughs> okay? Oh, and you'd be I the know. perfect person to teach I that know. class. No, I'm serious about that. You could do Candy Pitticard's white racism, you know, white women, you know, race, anti-racism class. It would be fascinating because this, this – no, I'm serious. This really needs to happen. Jackie's oh, probably are. laughing, too. He's on the line as well. Now, think about that, because how much, I don't know if anybody's ever done a study of this. How many, how many uh, white victims have there been, or how many white women victims have been victims of Hispanic, black, Asian, doesn't matter, whatever, simply because they know that the white woman's going to feel guilty and is not going to look up and is, doesn't want to offend and doesn't want to make eye contact because that would be racist, even though it's not, uh, and then they become victims of crime. I don't know about that till just now, but uh, it's an interesting study, don't it's you think? It's true. Piyaki, go ahead. Well, what actually, do you think? All right, let's go, Piyaki, and then Kate. In, uh, case okay.
4: in Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta, you know where you have the window, windshield washers, and they uh, young black males, and they came to this white woman, and she, I guess she had the guilt, and she, she let him wash the window, but she didn't have no cash, so she had one of those card deals. What do you call that? Pay app or something? and She didn't know how to use it, so she gave it to the the young man. And he mm-hmm. rained up uh, $1,200 on her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and to oh the merchandise, my. <laughs>
4: too.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, this, this this is a big problem. Well, let me ask you another question, Kenny. It's something I was thinking of earlier when you were speaking. Women especially, well, women exclusively on this. Now, men, you know, Pianchi and I were raised to naturally be protective, you know, protective of, of siblings, protective of family, as parents as you get older, protective of, like, girls in school, you know, from, from you know, the bad boys. We're, we're just naturally raised to be protective, but women aren't. Women are, are taught to, to rely on others to defend them. Do you see that as a huge factor in your classes of women and why women are so anxious now to go, you know what? I, I that, that didn't work for me. <laughs> you know, I want to learn to defend myself. Do, do you see that as a big factor?
5: Okay. So, um, you're going to have to give me a minute on this one. So let's, you got let's 20. backtrack this for one Take second. You <laughs> yeah. no, that's fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
5: let's backtrack for one second. You, mm-hmm. you were kind of half serious, half joking when you mentioned the race thing.
0: To be no, I was quite serious. honest,
5: in my classes with women, I mention it all the time. Interesting. But I don't tell them that it's just about race. Honestly, when I'm teaching a basic pistol or when I'm mm-hmm. talking about CCW, mm-hmm. I will ask these nice, gentle, little white women, are you prepared to shoot a man who is coming after you? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, mm-hmm. are you
5: prepared to potentially shoot a woman who is coming after you? Mm-hmm. Well, if I think she's going to hurt me, yeah. And then I will ask them, are you prepared to shoot a child who is coming after you? Well, uh. and then I'll keep going while they're well-umming, and I will ask them, as a white woman, are you prepared to shoot a young black child are you prepared to shoot a young hispanic child are huh. you prepared to shoot a young asian child and by this time they're looking at me all confused and i will tell them here in america we're very sheltered you go somewhere else on the barrel of the gun that you're staring down might not be being held by an adult it yeah, may it be being held by a child who yeah. has been taught, you are an American, you are the enemy, you need to die. Yeah. And for a lot of them, that is a rough conversation because here in America, we're not raised that way. And I'm not going to lie, I, I thank God that we don't think that way, that that's not how we were, but unfortunately... Times are going that direction and not even because of anything religious or anything like that. Mm
0: -hmm. Look
5: at social media posts. We have roving groups of children killing people, killing homeless people just for the fun of it, for the sport of it. I'm sorry. No religion taught them that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And they also taught
4: them that and also candy in st louis you've had cases where you had as young as 12 carjacking and get this as young as 10 years old carjacking and it's just like the drug dealers used to use it's just like the drug dealers used to use youth to deliver a job because they know that they wouldn't go to jail so they've figured that out too in other areas of criminality Use you yep.
5: and you and that's what I tell my ladies and that is a very difficult pill for a lot of them to swallow. Now, going back to your current statement, what I run into uh when I'm dealing with ladies and it is kind of a, a race issue when mm-hmm. I'm dealing with white ladies um Can you load my mag for me? Because my husband does that for me. Can you <laughs> show me how to rack my slide? My husband always does that for me because he tells me I'm not strong enough. He, you know, so that's actually a disservice. That is be, a
1: huge. Well, you need to train these husbands. Oh, dude! Oh my dude, God! I know. Did you call me, dude? So that's
5: <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you could tell I'm getting frustrated when I break up. No, out I like two. it. No,
1: I, I love it. So, You're so not kind I, of me. I think I, it's I, funny. Dude Greg. Yeah, go ahead. This
5: is what I see with yeah. the Caucasian ladies. Now, when I am dealing with minority ladies, mm-hmm. it's more, now I got this gun part. You just show me how to hit the target. You just teach me how to hit okay, the target. Now, I don't let's, need let's any talk help about with that. My
0: gun. This is, this is, we're breaking
1: some, no, we're breaking some news here. So what is it about black women and Hispanic women that are more independent and and why the white women more dependent on their husbands and why haven't they objected? Didn't they, didn't they hear about feminism in the seventies? What's wrong with these women? (laughs) So this is fascinating. This may be away from your report and we can get back to your report, but I just find this fascinating. Tell me.
5: Well, what I see is, Honestly, what, what, is my, what is my show called? The Black Mama Bear Gun Report. Yeah. Because that's culturally what we are. Mm-hmm. Mothers, uh, uh, minority mothers, black mothers, Hispanic mothers, we tend to be mama bears. And that whole joke about give a Hispanic woman a flip-flop and you will die where you stand, that, that's <laughs> it's What's true.
6: What's a flip-flop?
5: We, Go,
1: define flip flop for my for the, for those of us that are culturally um, illiterate.
5: Uh, <laughs> Sorry, sandal. It's 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 a oh, shoe apparatus. Oh,
1: it, oh, it actually. Oh, so you actually mean real flip flops? I thought that was <laughs> slang for something that that means something totally different. Oh no,
5: okay. I mean
1: no, you actually flip flops. Sorry. So you don't give flip flops to Hispanic jokes. women? Really? Why is that? Oh
5: gosh, no, because Help they will be too senseless with it.
1: <laughs> really?
5: <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Well, here's the thing. So, minority moms, we run the roost. We, right. we just do. Okay. And our kids know you you don't cross mom. There are certain things you don't say, like you're, you're having a, a slight brain fart and mom calls you and you turn around and say, yeah, or something like that. You're liable to get popped in the mouth before that final syllable comes out. <laughs> there's, there's a level of respect there. When yeah. you're dealing with black mothers, Hispanic mothers, and because of that, it's our job to. That's what we do.
0: We, right. we just
5: do. And and if we are blessed enough to have a husband who is who is the defender of the home, more than likely we're by his side because that's how we roll. We don't trust anybody to take care of our babies but us.
0: <laughs> do you ever,
1: uh, this is fascinating. Now, do you ever work with husbands of the women? Do you ever get the guys together in a class and say, especially the guys who saying, look, you're not helping your wife by racking the slide and loading the magazine for them. They have to be, what if you're not there? And first of all, you shouldn't do that anyway because yeah. that, that breeds dependence. And the last thing you want to do yes. with self-defense is make a cooperative self-defense. That's not how this works. So do you ever talk to the men and well, say, look, I... guys, you're not helping?
5: Well, yes, I have because okay. I've had a number of men who have brought their ladies to me for a training and they will tell me, I'm just going to sit in the back of the room because this is for her. This is not for me. I'm just going to sit in the back of the room and I'm okay with that because actually I love it because if they're in the room, I've got them. And when I bring up, Hey, let's load this magazine. Uh, Can you show me how? Well, yeah, I can show you how, but, You told me you've been to the range before. How did your magazines get loaded then? Well, my husband did it for me. Well, guess what? But he's in the back of the room, and you need this mag loaded. So you you best do some figuring out. And by this time, husband's looking up, and you can start seeing the wheels churning a little (laughs) bit that, yeah, maybe it's not such a good idea that I'm doing everything for her. And mm-hmm. I had one lady in particular, um, she couldn't rack the slide to get the first round in there. And it wasn't that she physically couldn't do it. She was afraid of getting her hand pinched. So she, uh, apparently That's what she was she told. Had gone to the range. Yeah. Apparently she had gone to the range once, racked the slide, and she got her hand caught in it It pinched her hand. Uh So because it pinched her hand once, she never wanted to rack that slide again. So her husband had to do it and blah, 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 blah. And I went, okay, great. Let's see how well that's going to work. So I put her in a scenario. She's in the kitchen cooking. Bad guy kicks in her door. Her gun is right there, but it's not loaded. She's got to rack that slide. So I'm bad guy. I'm coming through the door. She's standing there looking at the gun that needs to be racked. And I said, are you getting my point, hon? Your husband is nowhere around. You have got a perfectly capable firearm right there. You are perfectly capable of protecting, defending yourself, except, oh, yeah, I forgot. The slide's not wrapped. Come on. How how foolish is that? And both she and her husband, after that day, they stopped doing that. They stopped doing that. The, the husband so should go by instead of doing it they? for her. Yeah. Well, the husband instead of doing it for her, he started teaching her how to do it, hmm. which is a win-win. That that's what I wanted. It's a win-win. I'm not okay. saying exclude the husbands. Oh my goodness, heavens no, but yeah. don't don't crutch your wife. Don't don't handicap your wife by doing it for her help her become more independent and teach her how to do it herself.
0: Okay.
1: Well, we got to a little bit more for your report, so I, I'm probably distracted you totally from whatever you want to talk about. So let's get back to, to your topic.
5: Oh, dude, um, I re- want to talk about whatever you bring up. That's, that's
1: oh, the whole okay.
5: purpose of this.
1: Well, let me ask you. Because life is I,
5: fluid, and I love
1: it. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding, especially especially on my show. <laughs> i got John listening for the Women's Firearm Academy uh, report. We'll get him in a little bit. I'll bring him on in just a second. But something I wanted to ask you, Israel. Uh, Israel is under attack by Hamas. I heard from uh, Shirley Watchell on our Action Radio uh, gun page, and she used to report for us for, for I think almost two years. Um, that uh, only 1.5 of Israeli citizens are licensed to uh, to carry a firearm, and I thought to myself, first of all, why do they even have a? Why, why would you have a license in a free country? That's that's the first question. Uh, and the second question is why is this such a low percentage living next to Gaza? You know, Egypt, <laughs> Lebanon, Syria, Jordan. Why these in and the, the having terrorists, you know, crossing the border? How come so few people? And I know we're kind of probably jumping the gun. This may be too early for this conversation. But how come so few Israelis are carrying arms, given that they're surrounded by people that want to kill them? I just found that.
5: Uh, you know. Disturbing. You know what? I just found that out too, and I'm like you. I my jaw hits the drawer. Because I just thought, I mean, you would assume that every person would be armed. Just right. what, what's go- what is going on around you, for crying out loud? But it may also be that state of, for want of a better word, denial. Because they interest. are surrounded by it <laughs> all the time.
0: That was a bad you know
5: and and, yeah. and 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 i don't know but i would love to know because my heart goes out for these people yeah. so they're they're in a they're in a horrible situation right now all of them over there involved in this conflict they're all in a horrible situation i it, it it's just mine
0: i don't know well here's
1: Let's let's uh, say something interesting that Anthony Blinken said that every gun group should make a copy of this and broadcast it everywhere. He was in a press conference, I think, yesterday morning with Benjamin Netanyahu. And all they're playing is the quote where he says, we're the friends of Israel, we'll always be the friends of Israel. But what he started when if you listen to the when I caught it live, he talked about, first of all, he made he got his street creds by making his connections to the Holocaust. I mean, that's 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 standard American political stuff. And it might be true. I don't know. It probably is. But the point is, he insisted on making that. And then he said something fascinating. He said, there are heroes in Israel like the grandfather that saved his grandkids with a pistol. And I'm thinking... Dude, you just justified why there should never be gun control. You just stated it right there. And he go back to the press conference, with Benjamin Netanyahu and said just play that recording over and over. She's, you know, uh, I want to, you know, commend the hero, congratulate the hero, grandfather that saves his grandkids with a pistol. Now it would be a privately owned pistol, folks, okay? So we're talking privately owned firearms defending against terrorists who showed up with no warning and killed you know, a thousand people in the most horrible, you know, medieval, biblical, graphic way possible. I mean, this is, you know, I haven't even heard any demands from this, but that you've got to get that recording. You've got to play it. I mean, it just has to circulate among the gun groups. You've got to hear that because then anytime the left says, well, wait a minute, we need gun control. Well, no, you don't. You just prove that uh, it worked that gun control kills people and that the guns save lives. We just you even stated it right there. I bet you, you got called on the carpet for that yeah. comment. Have you heard? Did you hear that?
5: I did not, and I was going to ask you if you have a link for that. That would be awesome if you could send I don't that yet. to me. I'm busy. <laughs> You're
1: doing shows. When, show, when you, you just... do,
5: notice uh-huh. when you do, please send that to me. <laughs>
1: Because yeah. Well I happen- can find it too. Just just look up on YouTube the uh the Blinken Netanyahu press conference from yesterday uh, or the day before. Okay. I d- you know, and just uh, and just as soon as Blinken starts talking, just when when he gets past his uh you know, his, his obligatory reference to his Holocaust. And then, sure, like I don't I don't want to diminish that. It just seems self serving and, and insincere the way he did it. So um that's that's something. But uh, then he talks about when he talks about the heroes. That was fascinating. Let me um let me bring uh, John in this conversation to let you guys overlap a little bit. And, uh, John, you've been listening for a bit. What, what, do you, what do you think of the whole Israel situation and gun ownership?
7: Oh, I think it's fascinating. Uh, it is a definite case for no gun control here. But uh, mm-hmm. the 2% thing you talked about, average, you know, one and a half two 2%, they have to show a special cause, a special need to get a permit. And that permitting process was taking years. Plus, in Israel? most of those permits were only for like Yeah, in Israel, That's no, insane. in Israel. Plus, plus huh. most of those gun permits were pistol only, and they were limited to fifty rounds.
1: Fifteen rounds or fifty, like magazine, uh, fifty five zero. per year. What, what, five zero rounds I, per well, How long?
7: Per, uh, per I, hour. I don't know how long. I don't know if it was fifty in total for the lifetime, or ten you could replace it with the ten. But the way it was explained to me in the way I re, when I researched it. Was it was pistols for the most part, and they were limited to fifty rounds. Candy. That's
0: crazy. That, I, I'm, I'm speechless.
5: I'm yeah, it's pretty speechless.
7: funny, isn't it? I,
5: yeah, I I can't even wrap my mind around that. I'm sorry, I cannot even wrap my mind around that. Oh, and um. Uh, before we go any further, I wanted to do an asterisk on something I said earlier.
0: Uh-huh.
5: Um, try to be very, very careful when I'm making blanket statements. So when I'm teaching my class, I do not want you to think that every minority woman that comes in my class is a mama bear. And every <laughs> Caucasian woman that comes in my class is it's a weenie. Uh, sibling incompetent. <laughs> no. I it, I, it crosses over. It truly does. So there is no blanket statement about anyone. Every woman or every couple that walks through my door is brand spanking new to me. They've got a clean slate and I assume nothing until they give me reason to start making assumptions or start yeah, making. Yeah,
1: you're you're thinking way too much, you know, (laughs) and and I make disclaimers, too. It it happens, you know, but this is the whole point. This is the point of the show. We are the ultimate free speech zone. You can say it. And so if you want to, you know, sort of retract later, that's okay too. I do. I I say I figure three times per show I say I'm wrong. So, you know, I was wrong about that. And that's okay. That's that's very typical. I got a comment for both of you, you know, from uh, Marco. Marco listens to us in the Netherlands. Of course, he can't own a gun because he's in a he's in a communist country, you know, and he's in a non-free place. And so even though it is, I think it's still a monarchy, right? Don't have a, a Netherlands king? I'd be curious about that. Anyway, um, but the point is that Europe, for the most part, um, you know, they can't own guns, which is incredible when you think that the French resistance was privately owned firearms, you know, kicked the butt out of the Nazis many times. Uh, I think Norway, uh, very southern Poland, they all had resistance. Uh, the The... Uh, the, the Greece had a resistance. So, so there, were, there were privately owned farms in every, you know, pretty much every occupied country in Europe that fought back. And you don't hear about that a lot because it goes against the gun control narrative. So, so Marco types in, he says, I've never loaded a magazine, but give me one and I'll try and load it. And I'm sure I'll find out how. Well, under stress, and I I was going to type back, you know, you might load the rounds backwards. You you might put the magazine in backwards. You know, there's so many things under pressure that you could do wrong. It's hard enough to do. If you look at a magazine and and, and rounds, I don't think most people would figure out which way to put them in, you know, unless they're lucky or how to put one on top of the other. Let's go with Candy and then, John. What do you think?
5: Agreed, Um, especially under stress because it's bad enough when you're teaching a new shooter how to load a mag. Once they finally brute force that first round in there, then the second round you're trying to cram in round thing on top of round thing, and it, mm-hmm. that's the <laughs> humor story all, all in itself.
1: That's a skill. But
5: if you've got a new shooter trying to do that and under stress, that's a hot mess right there. That is just a hot mess. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's interesting. I used to do the, the, when I I worked in a gun store years and years ago, and when the Glocks came out, they were so easy to assemble and disassemble. I, I do the blindfold thing, put a blindfold on. Of course, I check it first, you know, obviously, even if these were new guns. I take it apart and put it back together in 30 seconds, blindfolded. That's the kind of knowledge you want with your guns. You want to be that intimately aware of them. John, you got police training. John was a police officer for years and years. What do do they teach in the the police academies about the stress of, you know, especially if you don't know how to load your guns or or you're you're given an unfamiliar gun? You've got to learn it
7: backwards and forwards. Yeah, for sure. They they spend a significant amount of time on the range. The problem with police training, though, really, too, is it's a static range for the most part. They don't do a ton of stress training with your gun. And that's part of the problem. Hmm. They, they, they'll give you a gun, they'll put you on the range, they'll make sure you're accurate, you can manipulate the gun, you can draw from your holster and present relatively quickly and get your sights on target. But as a general rule, there's not a lot of live fire or even um, simulated stress training involving your firearm. And that's, that's, part of, that's why I think we see so many police shootings now today. Is that they only, well, I was going to ask don't you about do, that.
1: And they also fire all their rounds. You know, you've got situations where they're routinely emptying an entire magazine. These are fifteen, seventeen, eighteen round magazines. They're, they're not really disciplined, and they don't even know how many shots they fired. And people don't realize that yeah, this is for the sure. kind of stress. Go ahead, tell me about the. We're
0: cool. sort of
1: morphing into John's report. John does the. John <laughs> uh, owns the Women's Firearm Academy, um, so he's the, he's the Women's Firearm Academy dude because <laughs> we're using this word a lot Hi,
7: today. John. Hey, Candy, how
1: are you? Hey, does Candy have a minute to stay I'm good. over? Because I want to run something by her as well. Candy can stay as long as she wants. I don't care. I love having her on. She doesn't matter to me. This is great.
7: <laughs> yeah, go ahead, John. So, so to backtrack a second before I answer that question, I was going to run something by Candy and get her opinion on as far as the white privilege race kind of issue goes. Oh, good question. What yes. we talk about generally speaking, what we generally talk about speaking is profiling. Profiling for the average person is not a problem. If you've got someone who's basically displaying a behavior, it doesn't matter what their race is. So the classic example is, let's say you have an Arab male, 24 years old, wearing a parka in the middle of summer with wires hanging out of his wrist. It's okay to profile that guy and probably create some space. Where profiling becomes a problem for the public is when law enforcement does it. So if I were to pull over Candy, and my first thought is, she's a drug dealer. Well, once I get to talking to her and I realize she's not a drug dealer, I got to take her out of that drug dealer box and put her in the average person box. Where cops get in trouble is they don't take them out of the box and continue to treat them poorly, or bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
5: Absolutely. So I love
7: it. So how does how does that apply like, from your perspective and what you teach? Does that is that basically uh, along along the same lines? Is essentially it's not about the race; it's about the behavior.
5: Correct. And that's what I try to teach my ladies. Um, I'm going to steal a quote from an instructor named Shelly Hill. And I love it because she says, when you're out in public, people have a right to be where they are until they don't. So what are they doing that kind of changes that playbook? It's exactly what you just said. You have a right to wear a hoodie and all that good stuff, but when I see wires coming out of the sleeve of that, going to your hand and all that, yeah, now we've got a problem. Yeah, I'm going to start What, is, what does that mean? You.
1: I'm not familiar with wires. What does that, what does that mean? The
7: suicide best. It,
5: it, it, yeah, a suicide bomber. It's, it's implying oh, that this person okay. may have a bomb, but... Okay. I'm, as an average person, I'm not going to notice that. But if I do see that, then, yeah, I'm going to treat you differently. I am going to give you space. I am going to get the flip out of there, and I'm going to get anybody else I care about away from you. Will I confront you? Absolutely not. But am I going to hang around and see? gee, I wonder what those wires are for? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm out of there. So I agree with you, and this is what I tell my ladies. Just because you see something doesn't mean you jump into Wonder Woman mode and decide that you're going to (laughs) address it. No, but you do respond appropriately, and for a lot of us, that appropriate response is to get the heck out of there.
1: Yeah, but let me, uh, uh at the risk of revealing, I don't think this is classified information, otherwise I'm, I wouldn't tell you what I'm about to tell you, but uh, from training I have had, uh, they ran a scenario with uh, a suicide bomber and it was law enforcement and everybody was like, you know, yelling freeze, stop, don't do anything, and of course the suicide bomber blew up their vest. Jonathan, uh, John, excuse me, John, you can confirm, <laughs> I've been talking to him for years, John, you can confirm this, um, I'm sure, that if you you know, shoot a bomb and, and take out a terrorist, that that bomb is not likely to go off. It has to be a fuse. It has to have a detonator, have something like that. So in other words, people are afraid of, of, of shooting somebody wearing a suicide vest with explosives. You know, you're you're not going to set off the explosives by, by shooting the person to stop them from detonating the bomb that they're wearing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Have you heard anything no, about that? No, you're not,
7: but... The- the problem you're going to have, though, is if you don't turn that light switch off instantly, the sympathetic right. movement he's going to have after that gunshot is going to release that detonator.
1: Right. That's Correct. if they're holding it, That's though, and issue. this may be more detailed than people, you know, can do. So, so if there's nowhere to run, if you're in an enclosed room, okay, let's make a worst-case scenario. So, so you're in the gas station, and the suicide bomber walks into, you know, the, the lobby of the gas station. There's just nowhere out. There's only one door out of there. How do you stop that person?
7: If you're an an armed citizen, how do you stop that person? What's that? Sure. Shot placement is always more important than caliber.
4: We talk about this all the time in
7: classes. Your shot placement is going to be far more important than caliber of your gun. Now, there's Mm -hmm. only one spot on your head where you can shoot somebody and basically take out their brainstem, which is going to shut them down instantly. So they won't have any sympathetic movement or parasympathetic movement after that shot. But you've got to know where that is, and you've got to know how to hit it. And generally, it's not the forehead.
1: So let's reveal it so people know, because this is because we're, we're in an era now where Hamas, you could be in this country. There is no reason to think that we wouldn't have suicide bombers or terrorist activity based on the fact that Brandon's let in 15 million illegals and they have no idea who these people are. This may be a scenario mm-hmm. in this country. So we may let's deal with it. So let's talk about that sure, because right. I don't think you're revealing anything that the terrorists don't already know, you know, so let's let's let's, you know, let's hear the story. Hold on, Piaki. Hold on. I want to get, I want to get an answer to this first of all. John? Yeah,
7: your best spot is do? right through the nose.
1: Right through the nose. Hit
7: them right okay. through the nose. Okay. Right. That's going to give you a direct line basically to their brain stem and their pods and then their ponds. And that'll shut them down.
1: Right. So like bridge yeah, or, or anywhere? Anywhere there. Anywhere right in that here. area.
7: Anywhere. Center of the answer. face? You, you've got enough leeway in that area, you'll hit okay. it. Especially okay. with expansion on your rounds. But right. The problem like the head in general, the skull. The skull's pretty hard. If you right. hit that thing at any yep. kind of angle, a lot of times it'll it'll either ricochet or it'll just travel. It won't, it'll penetrate the skin but not the bone, and it'll just travel right around the scalp, scalp line and come out the back. Yeah.
1: I've heard 380s bouncing off skulls when they hit an angle, especially the forehead. You know, there's sure. a story that and a, a kept, son who was, you know, yeah. people don't, you don't we're hear about that. We're back
7: to shot placement. Right. Yeah, we're back to shot placement, though. You can do it with no, a 22. Was... Okay. Right? You can, you know, twenty twos 22 is with, uh, for people. A twenty two on up is you're gonna be pretty effective if you put the shot in the right place. Right. You gotta know where the right place is. Well now we know. You gotta know where the right
5: place is and you've got to be trained. You've got to train because under stress you're going to default to your lowest lowest performance level. Right. And if you consistently train, hopefully that's gonna be second nature to be able to get that gun out and get those rounds on target. However, if you're that once a year because, yeah, this is a fun thing to do, chances are you're, you're not, you're, when, when the moment is there, you're going to miss the mark. You just are. The head is an extremely small target. We're making it even smaller by giving you a specific area, and mm-hmm. chances are good it's going to be moving around. If yep. you have not practiced, Precision shooting, under stress, under a timer, small area. Moving targets. Not going to happen. <laughs> yes, moving yeah. target. It's not yeah. going to happen. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I think a lot of people skill level. Right. By far. They think that they're going to magically pull these skills out of somewhere simply because the situation calls for it. And I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen. No, it's just not the opposite.
1: Happen. Yeah, yeah. Let's get Pianchi's question, though. I think we're on to a very interesting topic here. Pianchi?
4: Yeah, suicide bombers carry in their hands a double position, double drum switch. So when they push down on the button in the arm, and if they die and they lose muscle control, we release it and switch and the bomb goes off. The best thing for that is don't be around the people that they're targeting, and hopefully they're not
1: targeting you. No, and I'm saying 99% of the time, the best thing is get out of there. But I'm saying if you're cornered, if there's no other choice, you know, then, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have at least one possible option that might work. You know, if I have a choice, if I, if I know I'm going to die, I'm going I'm to take that chance. You know, if that's the situation I'm in, uh, I'm going to take that shot. But if not, I'd love to get away. You know, that's, that's, it's like a fight. Do I want to fight? No. Even if I was the best martial
7: artist in the world, I'd still rather walk away
1: because nobody wins. It's just who loses less. Um, John, back to you. What do you think?
7: Yeah, so this kind of leads to Candy's point as well. about Are you willing to do what you have to do? And there's that hesitation. Mm-hmm. If you're in that situation, you hesitate. It's just, it's just as bad as missing the shot. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's, well, here's you, the mean,
7: you can't have that self-doubt and you can't have that hesitation. There's, right. there's always three fights. There's the mental fight, the legal fight, and the physical fight. Okay, let's if go through If you them. hesitate on three. Of, yeah, if you hesitate on three. Well, if a fight, okay. you have to win for anything else to matter. Right? If you're dead, okay. it doesn't matter. The mental fight is if you don't think about this up front and you can't live with what you're about to do or have done, it mm-hmm. doesn't do you any good to be so damaged. You are either no use to yourself or your family and God forbid you end up killing yourself over it. Right. One of, uh, one of my instructors who uh, taught me to be an instructor in the NRA, he was teaching a class. He had a 20-something-year-old truck driver come through, get his concealed carry, pass his class, goes out in his truck, a month later, a guy attacks him in his truck, and he has to shoot him. 100% justified. The guy came in with a crowbar, brushed his window, broke his window, and attacked him inside the truck. Fired one round. The guy ended up dying. The mm-hmm. problem was, 30 days later, the kid committed suicide because he couldn't live with it. Aww. Aww. Not my instructor's yeah. fault, but it's a no. horrific story, and it's a, good, it's a good story for people to think about because if you can't live what you have to do or what you've just done, that's a loss. And know, we always need like class for, awesome. for
1: people that have defended themselves. Do we have any, uh, and we always think about beforehand, but do you, does Candy or, or John, do you offer classes in people, for people, like even the support group of people that had to defend their life, either they injured or killed their attacker, which was the right thing to do. They did everything right, but they're still having huge things. in, in this case, it led to suicide. What do you do for the people that have had to defend themselves? Let's go John first.
7: Uh, well we actually talk to a lot of people like that. We field a ton of phone calls from people that have had issues or had problems and you know, we just talk to them in general. Okay. The biggest thing we do though is we, we've got a metal class, a mental preparedness class. So you can put that work in up front so you don't have to get damaged on the back end. It, it, if we if we add some prevention into the process, then you don't have as many hurt individuals afterwards. And they don't do that for cops. They don't do that for the military, and they really should. They don't Mm. talk about what your mind and body are going to do under stress. Under stress, you become a physically different person. Cortisol and Mm. adrenaline dumps changes you chemically. Right. But if you don't realize that and you don't realize some of the things that come along with it, uh, tunnel vision, auditory exclusion, uh, all kinds of different things, right, Uh, time warps, time slows down, time goes faster, people tend to think they're crazy. And then if you have memory loss on top of that, and they can't factor that in or understand why it happened, they start mm-hmm. to doubt themselves in their actions. That's, that's our primary focus. We talk to people all the time that have been through those incidents, and we talk a lot about those incidents in class and how people dealt with them and how to, how to avoid some of those pitfalls. So that, that's kind uh, of our focus.
1: Interesting. Candy, what do you think?
5: Um, I, think I think I'm loving what I'm hearing that, that you guys offer. Unfortunately, I personally don't offer that because that's outside my wheelhouse. However, um, were I approached by someone in that situation, I do have resources available to reach out to. And I would, for want of a better word, I would pass them along to those who regularly deal with this because I do not. Uh, I'm, I'll be honest, I feel very blessed that I haven't had to deal with this. However, I do know that these people need help. And I want to be able to provide that for them, even if it's not from me.
1: Yeah. You two should get, you, you two should get together and go to each other's, you know, academies and classes and, and do like a joint class. I could just see you two teaching a really good class together because you come from very different backgrounds. This would be interesting.
5: I think it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. I
0: would love yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're on the gun page. Other.
1: You know, Talk to each other. Get, get you, I'll, I'll get you in contact with each other, but this, this would be interesting. Um, here's another question, and Pianki could probably relate to this, too, because we're both pilots. Uh, I was a flight instructor, and I hope to teach again. I've, always, I've kept my certificate current just for that purpose. Um, but I've been tested. And people that are in life, say in life uh, defense situations, you know, um, they've been tested. Um, John, I'm sure you've been tested. Candy, I'm sure you've been tested. Uh, I've handled emergencies in the air, you know, uh, simple things, the gear wouldn't come down, you know, the engine failed, <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, lost radios in the clouds, lost instruments in the clouds, that was really interesting. Um, and some, some, you know, potentially life-ending situations, And I do pretty well in terms of being calm. It's like I I think about it, I go into like rational mode. I get very calm, very cool, very matter-of-fact, very, okay, what do I need to do? Where's the checklist? Let's deal with this. And I almost go into like a robot mode. So I've been through, um, you know, life-endangering situations in the air. And so I know what I'm going to do. And I I think I can relate that to a, you know, a self-defense situation, at least I hope so. And those things didn't affect me uh, personally, other than the fact that I went, oh, gee, I don't want to do that again, <laughs> you know, but uh, because I acted, as far as I was concerned, correctly. And obviously, I'm still here, and my students are still here, so, so you know, whatever we did worked. Um, but um, do you find that people who have been tested maybe in other areas of life, facing life-ending situations, um, are better able to handle a, a life-ending self-defense situation? Curious. Ooh, I've stumped the panel? Who wants to go first?
7: No, I just didn't know if you wanted to, who wanted to go first.
1: No, it's okay. When I stop talking, that's a, that's your cue. I, I'll say okay. over. How's that?
7: Over. John, your turn. Fair enough. Can we still I want to step on candy. You guys, are, most people <laughs> just off.
1: jump right in. You know, they're not as polite as you two. So, <laughs>
7: anyway, I got it. John, what do you think? Uh, yeah, generally speaking, I think that's true uh, as a general rule. But I also think it it, it can be specific to your, uh, spec- your talent or your education or your background. Mm-hmm. Being a pilot is going to, lag, because of those things you experience in the air, will make it easier in life in general to deal with those stressful mm-hmm. situations. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think as a general rule, it's true. But I also think that because you're an instructor, because you went through the background, because you had flight time, because you went through the training and educated mm-hmm. yourself, that was a massive benefit to you. So it's the, the work up front that you did, that allowed you yeah. to be calm in the actual when the incident occurred. And that's kinda of that what we talked about with the three fights. If you mm-hmm. understand that there are three fights, if you if you have the experience and background physically, you have the experience and background mentally and legally, you're less likely to hesitate and you're more than likely to survive the incident on all three fronts.
0: Hmm.
1: I had a little background noise Over. from one of you, so just mute yourselves if you want to make noise, if you're making coffee or, you know, dogs barking or things like that. So it's free. But um that's interesting. Did, John, did we cover all three? Is, it's the physical fight, uh, the mental fight. What's the mental fight? I think we covered that. It sounds like more like PTSD yeah. than anything else. Uh, and what was the third one? The legal the fight. The legal. Well, so let's cover that.
7: Yeah, so if you don't know self-defense law and what's legal and what's not legal and if you're inside the bounds or not, there's that hesitation again. Mm-hmm. So we talked to a lot of people about, okay, here's a scenario, and the first question is, well, I don't know if that's legal or not. So I don't even know if I can do it. Hmm. And if you have that, yeah. prison, and you're worried uh, if I can see you're going to prison, it doesn't help.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like concealed carry holders. Because I remember when I was new to in fact, I wrote an article, going to republish it on Substack, you know, to carry a gun. And my first thought as a new concealed carry holder, because I, I left the communist state of California and came to Florida, got myself a permit. Of course, now you don't need one. But the first thought everybody has is, oh, no, they might see that I'm carrying a gun. Then I'm worried about the criminals. They're not worried about the life-ending you know, situations. They're not worried about having to defend themselves or people around them. They're worried that somebody's going to see that they're carrying a gun, and that's going to be embarrassing, awkward, or something like that. That seems to be the biggest fear of people. So you want to talk about the mental and the legal? There's, there's a perfect example. Without even being a life-ending you know, situation potentially, you're already embarrassed or feeling awkward just for the fact that you're carrying a gun for the first time. John?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And then if you don't understand the, the, the five core elements of self-defense, how to apply them, let alone your specific area. That's that's that hesitation, especially in today's society, right? Mm-hmm. You're far more likely to get prosecuted now than you were 50 years ago. Right. But, you know, our job as instructors really should be to educate you and to build your defenses now so mm-hmm. you look really hard to prosecute. And if you set yourself up, we talk a lot about police interactions. How do you interact with them? Do you interact with them? We talk about uh, interacting with the attorney, how the court system works. But we also cover the, the core principles that will apply, you know, universally to self-defense, and then break it down to, you know, Montana specifically because that's where we're here, and mm-hmm. how that law applies. The, the problem you're going to have is when you have that doubt or you don't understand the law. There's your hesitation, and there's the problem again.
4: You can so
1: get kill be hard what you're to doing prosecute. is legal. Someone's facing you with a knife right. or a gun, and you think. Can I legally defend myself? You're already dead. (laughs) You know, you could be, you know, worrying about something that you can take up in court later.
7: (laughs) You know, (sighs) ha. Candy, let's get you on this and then I want to. All
1: right, go ahead, John. This is your report. So 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 last week
7: when Pianchi asked about, no, it's okay. So last Uh week when Pianchi asked about shooting the guy who stole his gun and running away. Uh Uh-huh. That's not going to be legal if he's running away with your gun and not doing anything else. Right. Right. So it's a question of can I, should I, but it's also legal or not legal. Mm-hmm. And you hear that a lot, especially in our classes, is, you know, if the guy comes to my house, can I shoot him? Well, you can, but should you? Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. What if it's that drunk neighbor who thinks it's his house? What if it's, you know, the, the kid? I know of a case like that. His girlfriend's bedroom?
1: <laughs> I know some of that happened too. Well,
7: yeah, a, yeah. I have a very yeah. specific case because we had a lady come through class last month, and a uh-huh. new gun owner uh, lives by herself. About two weeks before she came to class, she hurt someone in her house about 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And it terrified her, and she didn't know what to do. So eventually, she mustered up some courage to go downstairs and check it out. Mm-hmm. A lot of issues with that, so don't, we're not going to get into that. But it turned yeah, out to week. be her college-age daughter. Yeah, it turned out to be her college daughter sneaking into the house to surprise her. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Had she have had a gun, had she have operated under terror and panic and pulled that trigger? Maybe justified, but she could never live with herself.
1: Nope. No, right. and this is and this is the decision. This is why I think it, it, one of the biggest problems is law enforcement comes bursting through. You don't know if they're actually law enforcement or not. It could be a home invasion. You have to make a decision uh, if you're. If- if you hesitate and it's a home invader, they may kill you. If, you. if you threaten and it's law enforcement, they may kill you. Either way, you could end up dead because you're half asleep and you're groggy. And, and how do you make that decision? There's a lot. We talked about this before. There's some serious problems uh, as far as that goes. You know, I would, I would think the police, you know, stop doing these, these midnight raids. <laughs> you know, wait, you know, go in the daytime. <laughs> so we can see what's going on. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it would be more worth it. Or, or get people in the place where you know they're going to be. Um, or just like you said before, surround the house. Say, Okay, we're here. You're not going anywhere you know, just calmly think about it, take your time and we'll be fine, but you ain't going anywhere. You know, I mean, there's so many ways that the that the police could handle, this, especially the FBI could handle this better. Um, we only got a few minutes left. I got my next guest actually uh, already online, so we'll see if uh, Jenna wants to join our conversation here in a bit. Um, but, uh, John, did you have a report today? Because we sort of hijacked your report. It's been kind of no, it's but... okay. Did, Ken, did
7: Candy have a comment on that? I didn't want to cut Yeah, go for it. Candy?
5: Um, actually, I did have a comment on it, and um, again, for me, it just comes down to training, because knowing what you can and cannot do, yeah, that's called training, guys. <laughs> knowing what's legal, knowing what's not legal, because I agree with you. I hear so many people in class, well, yeah, but was it, I mean, how big was the knife? And, and, and will I get into trouble because... I, I pulled out a gun on a guy who had a knife, and da 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 da. da and I'm just thinking, okay, hun, all those questions that you're worrying about, you wouldn't have time to worry about them because you'd be dead. So yeah. you need to work on this stuff, learn this stuff, know this stuff long before that. Should I bring a gun to a knife fight day arrives? Mm-hmm. And it's so important that you know. No, you cannot shoot someone in the back even though he took your gun. No, you
4: can't do that.
1: No, you call 911, report your gun that stolen. You know, they've, they've got your gun registered police. anyway, so, you know, that's what you do.
4: Supposedly <sighs> shooting great. over their
1: shoulder. No see I I I'm I'm with uh, with uh, John and, and Kenny on this. Is the only time you can choose when someone's a threat facing you, coming towards you uh, or presenting a deadly weapon. If you know, if they're they're pointing a gun at you. I mean that's 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 a no brainer, okay? But running away, that running away with your property, in, uh, run, running away with your fifty three closet. What happened?
4: Yeah, that happened in Atlanta the jack in the box. A guy was running away and he put a gun over his about over his shoulder and shot at the shot at the police house.
1: So that's different.
4: So that's, that's, that's justified.
1: Yeah. So so it's not the fact that he's running away that counts. It's the fact that he pointed a gun at you. So whether he's facing you or facing away from you, it doesn't matter.
5: Agreed. That's the whole thing. If you're shooting at me, you are a threat. I don't care if you are upside down, swinging Mm -hmm. from the ceiling with your back to me. If you are shooting at me, you are a threat. I can legally respond to that threat. But mm-hmm. if you took a gun and you're running away from me and you're not doing anything to me, I legally cannot shoot you. I can't. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to go back to, to what Candy originally started with, which is situational awareness, because I want John's opinion on this, too, and then I'll bring Jen in the conversation. Uh, when I go drive to a gas station, the first thing I do is look at all the customers. And, and I look at all like the, the homeless guy sitting there, you know, uh, in, the, in the corner and I look at, uh, you know, is there a gang here? I mean, I immediately look, and if I don't like the situation, I go to another gas station. So I, I do what there Katie does, And I, I'm sure John does that, too, that's always an option. So as you're driving in, you know, the first question is, do you want to pump gas here? You know, and if I see you know, 10 members of a gang you know, wearing colors or whatever it is, you know, I'm not going to stay there. But even, even if I just don't like the situation, I feel there's a bad vibe. I don't like the homeless guy. It looks like he's hiding a gun under his jacket and staring at me. I'm still going to leave. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But I mean, because I, I, I learned this from flying too, but I learned this just from my own you know, self-defense is that situational awareness is so important. So many things can be avoided if you just look around. If you see a bunch of people at the yeah. gas station you know, who don't look good don't go there, <laughs> you know, or someone pulls in yep. the gas station. Okay. I've got enough fuel. I'm leaving. Thank you. Yeah. You know, so let's get to candy. Do that again. Then John, then I'll bring Jenna and see if she wants to talk about this.
5: Um, that, that was pretty much it for me. Yeah. I'm here. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was pretty much it for me is just, you, you need to, you need to train, you need yeah. to train and yes, watching videos, about scenarios and how they should be addressed, yeah, that's a form of training too. Training doesn't always have to be putting rounds down range. It doesn't have to be. It's educating yourself. It's talking to people. It's knowing the laws. It's asking those pressing questions. Can I do uh-huh. this? Is All of that is, to me, falls under the umbrella of training and it's absolutely mandatory if you are going to be carrying around a firearm, or depending on one to
7: potentially save your life.
1: Yeah, John. Situational awareness. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole topic unto itself. We're sure. Awareness
7: of voices where everyone should stop. Start. That should be the beginning of everybody's training. Understanding awareness. Agreed. Understanding avoidance. That should be before you pick up a gun. Before you do anything else. That's going to solve ninety percent of your problems up front. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's where you should be. Your gas station scenario is great, but I would take it a step further. If you're sure. at the gas station, and it looks fine. So you start pumping mm-hmm. gas. But
0: mm-hmm. something
7: shows up in the middle of that. It's OK to stop pumping gas and move on. Yeah. And that's where most people get stuck. It's like, well, I got gas. Like I need to get I need to finish getting my gas. No, you don't mm-hmm. really need to finish getting your gas. You already prepaid it. Take the pump mm-hmm. out, stick it in the thing, drive off. Yeah, go. It's okay. It's okay <laughs> yeah. to leave. We're we're blessed mm. in this country that we've got a gas station like every other block and a grocery store between them. You've got mm-hmm. options. Mm. You don't have to put yourself in a bad situation just because you think you need to be there or because you're already there.
1: Yeah, and don't do the racism thing. thing if you're if you're if you're a different race than all the other people in the gas station, think, well, I, I you know think well, I'm going to go pump gas here because you know I don't want to you know appear to be a racist. You know, we talked about that earlier in the show too. This is this is fascinating stuff. I love going into this. Let's bring Jenna in, who probably I don't know you know what she might think of this or not. We're going to talk about uh, the book she wrote with Pierre Corey uh, on the war on ivermectin in the next hour. So, Jenna, do you want in this conversation? Do you have any comments or questions for either Candy or John, our gun experts? This is like Friday gun day.
8: Yeah, just just throw, throw me throw me throw me right under the bus. Um, I do guys, that. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I do that all the time.
1: Uh, this is Action Radio. Take action. You don't no, have to have no, a, yeah, a, and, and you you don't have to have a question. That's okay. I just you know because you're here. I figured I love to to have people cross over in fields that they might never have thought about. So here you are.
8: Yeah. No, I haven't. I have a thought about everything, Greg. Right? I mean, that's just uh, who I am. But um, no, I was listening <laughs> to you thinking. Um, I'm from New York. Uh, born you know, in the city, I lived there again in my 20s. Now I live in Austin and my kids were not raised in the city. But my youngest daughter just moved to New York, uh, wow. Manhattan, like two months ago. And we, <laughs> when we dropped her off, we just kept repeating over and over again, head on a swivel, head on a swivel. <laughs> just be aware at all times. At all times, if you think you're safe, like you know, when we're on the subway, I'm like your back is to the wall. You don't stand against the tracks. You're not the first one on, and you're, you're you know, like you yeah, absolutely, situational awareness. It's everything because you know, especially I'm thinking about this, you know, this city situation. Like if you're the one walking with, you know, your earphones in, looking down at your phone, like I'll mess with her. She'll she'll just be standing on the subway track looking at her phone, and I'll come up with my hand underneath it and pop it out. Like, do you see how fast? I can get that. Hint. Just be, be aware. Always be aware.
1: What's she doing in New scary, York these days? But, I mean, talk about situational um, awareness. She, you've got a situation. You've yeah, got liberals. She, you've got illegals. You've got looters. You've got no judiciary. You've got no... The police can't do anything. You've got liberal Soros, DAs. Why would you go to New York at this particular time? I'm not trying to... I'm not accusing you. I'm just curious.
8: Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Every... You know, you and I are on the same page. Like, there's so much propaganda in the world. Oh, New York is a hellhole. I have been there my entire life, on and off. It is no different than it ever was. It's not. Okay. Like, Wall Street is still creepy and seedy. The Upper West Side is still lovely and bougie, and the park is still the park. There's homeless people and there's families. Like, I don't feel any different about her being there than I did when I moved there as an adult in the 90s. Like, I, I really don't. And frankly, she's a model. That's where she needs to be. She walked in. Fast well, yeah, that's true. And, You know, She won't be there yeah. forever. She'll be in other big cities too, but um, don't Paris. believe everything you see. Don't believe everything yeah. you see.
1: Okay. Well, that's really good to know. Um, let's get, John, let's get your information because we haven't even got your contact stuff. Then I'm going to go to Jenna. Of course, we got Pianki, we got Candy, we got John. I want to talk to Jenna for a whole bit, but I'll, I'll bring on questions a little bit later uh, if you guys are still on the line, but John, th- let's talk, let's get your contact stuff and then uh, uh, I'm going to introduce uh, Jenna properly. <laughs>
7: Okay. Yeah, sure, no problem. We're at uh, womensfirearmacademy.com, and the phone number is 406-318-7233. And that's about all we got. Uh, one last thing, though. For uh-huh. everybody out there, if you decide to use force to defend yourself, two things happen automatically. You've got a greater chance than zero of being injured or killed, and you've just surrendered your fate to other people, meaning your fate is mm-hmm. in the hands of law enforcement, a prosecutor, and the court. That's why awareness mm. is important. That's why awareness is important. Because you no longer have control of what happens in your life the minute you yeah. decide to defend yourself. You need to be prepared on all three fronts.
1: Interesting. Mm, this I is why like both that. of your reports are, are so valuable. Uh, Candy, let's get your contact information. And then I'm going to mute everybody just because that way you can make background noise and we'll be fine. I'll <laughs> bring you in a little bit later <laughs> um, if you're still here. Candy, how do folks reach you?
5: Um, I am Candy Petticord. I am with North point training llc i am also a girl in a gun chapter facilitator for akron ohio north coast and stark and summit counties so you can reach me there and you can find me on shootingclasses.com
1: there we go so there's your next book uh, jenna (laughs) yeah I get research. I know people. I'm in radio. It's pretty cool. All right. Uh, take oh, care, everybody. Let's, uh, let's get to uh, uh, Jenna here and introduce her as our guest of the day, Jenna McCarthy. So Jenna was introduced to me by a friend uh, and fellow activist, uh, Laura Bartlett. Uh, who does uh, ourpatientrights. com? Um, in fact, she was on Tuesday with both Naomi Wolf and Dr. Judy Mikovits, which is pretty incredible. Anyway, Jenna co-wrote The War on Ivermectin with Dr. Pierre Cory, uh, who was also on the show during our 18-week World's Greatest Doctors panel last year. So I know all their stories, but what I don't know is Jenna's story. So Jenna, welcome back to Action Radio.
8: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
1: Well, good. Let me uh, quickly scroll down here. Uh, Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Here we go. A round of applause.
8: (laughs) That's my love language. That's my love language. I love recognition and, and props and kudos.
1: Well, we're pretty friendly here, I and mean, this is, again, it is the ultimate free speech zone. Um, now, I was trying to learn you know, a bunch of stuff about you, and you sent me an article, which I was able to read a little bit of before the show today, but things have been, this has been an unbelievable week with, with uh, you know, national figure guests. It's been pretty incredible. But uh, I want to find out about you, because yeah. uh, I'm curious. So let's, let's get your story. So you write books. You co-author books. You write them yourself. What, what's, your, what's your specialty?
8: Um, a little bit of everything. So I have a publishing background. I, as I was saying on the other topic, um, I'm from New York. I lived in New York. I worked in publishing. I was on staff at many magazines. And then I started a freelance career 25 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and then, of course, as you do, that that segues into books. So I've ghostwritten books. Right. I've written 18 mm. books of my own um, unlike some authors, where you know they they pick a genre and they stick with it, they're a crime writer or a thriller or you know romance, whatever it is. I have literally done everything. I have written memoir, nonfiction, fiction, middle grade fiction, children's picture books, medical exposé. Um, a little bit of everything. So romance prior novels. To Come on, tell romance, me, you write romance <laughs> no, novels? No, actually, not romance, not romance. Although apparently that's where she the money looks is. She looked deep so into her eyes with
1: wanting, <laughs> ple- wanton pleasure. She stared up, no, saying, so saying I "Will tell you?" Know?
8: I have a lot of author friends, and when Fifty Shades of Grey came out and it was so successful, mm-hmm. I had so many friends going, "We could do this. Like it's so bad. We could, <laughs> we could absolutely." And we tried, and we're like,
0: "I can't do this." so
8: cringy. I just, I can't, I can't. So I, I, that is the one genre. <laughs> thank you for pointing out to me. That is never, never going to happen. Even under, even under a pseudonym. Like I have a friend who writes a lot, like I do. And she's like, we could just pick a pen name. And we just like, whatever, it'll be embarrassing, but we'll do it. And we tried and We were like, Nope, Nope, not happening. So, can't do it. Uh, huh? which is probably
5: a blessing. How about yeah. a comedy
1: romance? So, how, how about a comedy romance? You know, we'll combine I genres. Have done
5: some of that. I have done we'll do
1: like a that. political romance, you know, make it a comic uh, thing. I, is this, this possibilities are endless. You know, we're creative here. That's what we do. Okay.
8: Well, our our political scene is is it's like a tragic comedy right now. So we've oh, got no that kidding. to entertain us. We've got that. Yeah, I have enough coming so, Yeah. That so I, to, I'm a writer. I am a wordsmith. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Let's be clear. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I am actually. I'm the butt of every internet meme because I came to be where I am today by, wait for it. Doing my own research, right? That's what <laughs> I was doing. That's what, you know, oh, listen, like, um, I'm sure uh, you've seen the the yeah. meme of, you know, there's, it's like a, a split screen. So on one side, there's a doctor in scrubs and underneath it, it'll say, you know, eight years of medical school plus 17 years of residency. And on mm-hmm. the other side, it's a woman, you know, me sitting on the toilet on her phone and underneath it, it says, does her own research. Like, <laughs> you know, they, they, they make fun of it, but it's like, I'm researching Doctors, I'm not researching, you know, made up well, this stuff is in fascinating. fairyland.
1: This is fascinating. I used to have a liberal caller that said, are you a doctor? I said, no, but I can read the studies. I said, I've read the Dr. D. 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 R. L. study on, on chloroquine. I know exactly what it is, how it works. And I know that it cures COVID. Yeah. So I don't have to be a doctor yeah. to do that. You know, my famous line is, you know, I'm not a meteorologist, but I know when it's raining. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> That's
8: um, a good one.
1: You can use That's that. The other one, one that I yeah, heard online. I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. Go ahead.
8: I was just I mean, this was kind of a, a point that we make, which I haven't even gotten to the book yet, the war on Ivermectin, but we make we'll this book there. all the way through yeah, that we got an
0: hour, you know, so when I, they you know. when they
8: couldn't attack the science, when they could no longer mm-hmm. attack the science, when the science around ivermectin was so irrefutable, what else can they do? They attack the source, right? So then it becomes the conspiracy theory, you get that label, you get the right wing nut job, you know, you get all the mm-hmm. things where it's like well, don't listen to anything that guy says. He's saying right. ivermectin is legit, Well, but he's a conspiracy theorist. It's right there in his Wikipedia page. I mean, it's yeah. absurd. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is always a story. See, we don't use the term conspiracy theory here. We call them ongoing investigations.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Of course, we, yeah, now you're a wordsmith. Is. You'd appreciate you that. We, we we rename everything. The GOP is the gelding old party. Uh, Rhino Republicans <laughs> are transgender Democrats. You can use that one. Um <laughs> You know, I mean, uh, Dr. Fascist. I, I haven't used his name in, in probably two years. He's Dr. Fascist, the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. That's his full title.
5: Oh, you can use that too. that's you a like good that one?
1: one. Yeah, yeah, I'll that write it down That's
5: a basically. really good one
1: get the podcast <laughs> yeah but I wanted to establish your, your writing creds before we got into the book um, because everybody a lot of people know Pierre Corey and then not as familiar with you and that includes me you know mea culpa um, so I'm really glad that uh, that I got to introduce you so so but, but as a let me, let's explore the writing a little bit more before we get in the book because we got do we have you for the full hour just to make sure yes
8: we do you have me until nine fifty nine.
1: okay good so in that case so that I'll, I'll 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 be brief that last at nine I'll start talking really fast Um. Okay. Ghost writing, ghost There's a large amount of people that actually don't write their own books. I mean, I write my, I wrote my book, the, the complete guide to flight instruction. I write all my own articles. I don't have a ghostwriter. I do research except for the reporters that do their research. Everybody here does their own research. You know, we're, we're old school. You know, I, I don't take PR points from uh, people that, uh, you know, I have folks that I work with that give us, you know, all kinds of national, you know, gas. But, uh, you know, I've had PR firms say, well, here are the talking points and here are the questions you're, you're going to ask. I'm like, are you kidding? You, you, you got the wrong host here, you know, so ghostwriting right. uh, to me, that would be embarrassing. Uh, you should be listed as the author, you know, a book, you know, suggested by, you know, some famous person or a book about a famous person, but they can't say that right. if you're a ghostwriter, one one's actually doing the writing. Why aren't you the main person on that book? Just curious.
8: So the, I've ghostwritten one book and it was my first book and I was approached to do this because the uh, the quote unquote author was a dear friend and she was mm-hmm. a celebrity and she mm. had the book deal. They came to her and they said, "We would like to write a book about you and it, mm-hmm. you know in your voice." And she was like, "I'm not a writer." And they said, "That's okay. We'll put a writer on it. You'll just they'll interview you and you'll tell your story." And she was like, mm, "My best friend's a writer and nobody's better than her. I want her." And they said, "We don't care. We'll pay anybody you want." So, mm. I only did that because it was my best friend. And because I kind of needed to go through that process, i had been threatening to write a book, this was 20 something years ago, but i had (laughs) been threatening to write a book, and and I hadn't done it. And now I had a paycheck, you know, I had Mm -hmm. a reason. And we knocked it out of the park, the reviews were great. But I will tell you, the ego in me reading the reviews that were like, wow, we never knew she was such an amazing, she's so great with words and all this stuff. And I'm like, uh how can you, and she would go on as you have to, she would go on talk shows and talk about the process of writing the book and it killed me. It literally killed me inside. It would be like, you know, whoever actually (laughs) sang for Millie Vanilli having to watch them take
0: credit.
8: (laughs) You know, like, no, those are my words. Those are my, I I may, I gave her, my stories, things that happened to me in my lifetime, and I gave them away. And I swore after that, I was like, all right, I've been through the process. I know how to do this. I will not do it again. So I have been approached many, many times to ghostwrite. I'm like, nope, I will co-write. I need my name on that book. I need Mm -hmm. my, you know, I need my name on the marquee. I need the, it it is my voice. So with this book, and you know, the beauty of of co-writing a book too is that like all the books I've written by myself, it's really hard to self-promote. It's hard to go out on interviews and say this book is so amazing, it's so great, you're really going to love it. But if I write a book with you, I can I can brag about Pierre all day long. I can brag about mm-hmm. the information in that book and how beneficial and important it is. I'm just the wordsmith, right? I just made it sound good. I just made the decisions of you know how to craft it into a, a narrative and what to get rid of and what to you know really highlight. So. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like the, I'm the stylist, but you're the model. <laughs> you, were, you were already pretty when you came to me. I just made you look a little bit better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you see, I think of ghostwriting as a copyright violation because co-author is one thing that's different. I mean, this is why I want to kind of go from that when you mentioned it into how you met uh, Pierre and how this all got started. But uh, if you're doing the work, you know, it, it, if someone actually stole your work and, and put their name on it, you know, that's, uh, that would be a copyright violation. Um, but yeah. as, we, as we call it plagiarism, right? Something that Joe Biden is, is famous for. Um, but if you if you ghost write a book, now you're paid for it somehow. That that takes away the copyright uh, right that you have, and I've never understood that. I don't believe in ghostwriters. It's Co-authors, a contractual yes.
8: obligation. Like you agree in the contract. I am going to be your voice. I am going to tell your story. This is what I get in exchange for it. I do not get credit. I mean, it's excruciating. I, I, I mean, yeah. and I, I have lots of friends. I have a friend, um, a close friend from my, from my New York days who wrote probably 15 books. And then she was asked to ghostwrite Snooki. Remember Snooki from Jersey Shore?
1: Um, not Snooki. really. Barely. Okay. I, that yeah. I never
8: watched it either. She, catch
1: my attention. Super yeah, I watch like reality. trial films, <laughs> you know, things like
8: that. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, it, it's, it's cheesy, embarrassing reality TV. But she, so she did, and it became a bestseller. And, you know, the, like the conflict in that between, God, I've written all these really good books that people mm-hmm. won't know about just because we're in, it's, you know, the publishing industry is so competitive. Publishers mm-hmm. only really. Promote and support the folks who are already making the money—the Grishams, the you know whoever right. it is, the, the mm-hmm. little people. They're like, yeah, we'll we'll throw you a couple peanuts, but I have a book. You kind of have to make. I wrote yeah, one. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's well, hard. Know. It's it's a yeah.
0: hard, oh,
8: it's a hard gig.
0: Yeah.
8: So no more ghostwriting so for me, is what I'm saying.
1: No, that, that, that makes perfect sense. See, yeah, I, I would abolish ghostwriting and just make it co-authors because it really is yeah. your work, you know, and it should be equal pay, equal billing, equal everything, because um, you wrote it you know? And so that's any other time that'd be called plagiarism. All right, let's go. Kind of, so, so how did you meet Pierre and Let's talk about who he is. So who's he? And then we'll talk about how you met.
8: Pierre is a rock star. He is like my best, has become my best friend brother in the year that we've worked together. Um, mm-hmm. He's, he's fantastic. So he is a critical care specialist, um, a physician. He um, is a pulmonary expert. He has a, Fascinating medical background, which we cover in the Ulmary's book. heart, right? Um, but Just so
1: folks know, pulmonary kind of heart.
8: Um, a late bloomer, you know, didn't really wasn't sure if he, what he was going to do, and kind of waffled around for a while. But when uh. he when he he's he's brilliant. He's like mm. the nutty professor, brilliant. He's so smart. He he has to get out of his own way sometimes. If if he hears a statistic once, he knows it for the rest of his life. You know, we're trying. I'm trying to interview him for this book, and the numbers he's throwing out. I'm thinking to myself as I'm you know. As I'm taking notes, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to check that. That doesn't sound right. He, I mean, the man was never wrong. He was never <laughs> wrong. It's insane. How yeah, you um, recording? So, did you
1: record him or did you just take notes? Because notes, you tend to miss things, I would think.
8: Oh, I just take notes. No, I I can type faster than you talk. Like, I can be typing what you're saying Best and than I typing talk? out my next question. Yeah.
7: That's pretty it's good. It's crazy.
8: I I mean, I've yeah. been doing this for a long time. I'm, it's okay. like, a, I'm like a musician. Like, I really can. I, I I transcribe conversations all day long with my fingers. It's a Little bit of a sickness, but again, I've been
1: Doing it a long time. You take you could take, um, you could take yeah. our, our our chats here and make a. Actually, I'm hoping to make a book. We did 18 weeks for the world's greatest doctor panel, which uh, Pierre Corey called in on. But the regular panel was Judy Mikeovitz, Brian Artis, uh, Ben Marble in the beginning, Jim Thorpe was here, all, all a lot of the biggies. Uh, Pierre joined us, That's Christiane awesome. North joined us, uh, Tiffany Prado, the marketing genius, joined us, and a bunch of other folks. I got a whole list of doctors that joined us. It's an incredible thing. Judy was, was maybe you know, having her folks, but we got to talk off the air about this, even though I've talked on the air about it. But that's a book, I think. You know, and you could call yeah, the those are all panel. my
8: people. And I got this okay. next to Tiffany at the uh, the Mickey Willis movie premiere, one, one of okay. the pandemic ones. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so okay.
1: John Cullen, Pierre he was there. He was, was on the panel too. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk awesome, to you. I'll send you the links to all the shows and tell me what you think. We'll see what we can do with it.
8: Yeah. Love it. No, those were people that I was following from the beginning. I can't remember. So I sent you a blog post that I wrote in May of 2020. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. six weeks in, right? Six, eight weeks mm-hmm. in to flatten the curve. And already mm-hmm. I was calling BS. I was, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not watching. Yeah. I, and I was at the beginning, you know, we were, it was novel. We were scared. We didn't know. I, when I, I moved last year and in, in packing, I found a Ziploc bag, with a target receipt and some change, like dollars and change because I had sent one of my daughters to Target for me and she didn't know what to do with the, the dirty money after the cashier had touched it. Like that's oh what we God. were in the head. Okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> let's let's find the beginning. Hitting, so um, right I wanna
1: beginning hear I wanna hear your anything? COVID story. Let us let's let's go back to the very beginning when you first before you even heard I actually because uh, I actually had COVID before we knew what it was. I had it the end of December yeah. twenty nineteen, beginning of January twenty twenty for about two weeks. Worst cough I ever had. Uh, rested for two days yeah. and I was fine. And I was I was sixty yeah. at that point. Now I'm sixty three, um, and so that was that was that was my experience. So I'll tell you my story a bit. But I don't hear your story. So where do you start? Where where was your first interaction with uh, with the virus SARS CoV two? What's your earliest memory?
8: COVID hits um, like when when they very first started talking about, uh, you know, th- this is a thing and it might be coming to America, my husband uh-huh. was about to go to California. And I was like, uh-huh. maybe you shouldn't go. I don't know if I want you on a plane. And it was like, yeah. to his trip was like 10 days out or something. And he uh-huh. he's Mr. Like milk doesn't go bad. Expiration dates are just for fun. You know, he has no fear. <laughs> In Lock- he has no yeah. fear. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know. So it's, The day before he's going, and now it's kind of, it's everywhere. It's every news story. There's multiple cases in the United States and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, are we like mid January or mid
1: February, 2020? What what time are we talking about? Mid February. Okay.
8: February. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to go get you some Clorox wipes. Just wipe off your, your area on your plane. I, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing, right? I told you, not a doctor. So I go to Target, no Clorox wipes. I go to Randall's. I go to H-E-B-A, I go everywhere. There's no Clorox wipes. So I'm, I come home and I'm Googling. So this is an airborne like, virus, so that wouldn't make? matter
1: anyway. That's the funny part about it. It's like all that cleaning stuff we is did, for nothing. Oh, it, yeah, I, I mean, the terrible. whole thing
8: The whole thing is so stupid in retrospect. I, I get angry even admitting that I fell for it for 30 seconds, but... I did. And I did, you know, it it can't hurt you to extra wash your hands. It can't hurt you to, you know, do these things. So he goes and he comes back and, you know, we were still kind of, I mean, we were still kind of like, you know, we were very social and friends would say, do you want to come over? You can come in through the back door. And, and I was like, come in, like come around the back and we'll just hang out on the patio. And Mm -hmm. I, I would be like, well, I mean well i'm gonna not you're not gonna let me use your bathroom if I have to pee like this is so silly we're not like these germ vectors we're not it, it it nothing made sense so because I am a researcher, I just started looking for things. one of the first things I found was an interview with Tess Laurie, who if you haven't had her on she's just she's fantastic I'm not she's, familiar she's with featured her featured prominently in the book um, okay, She so, yeah. is uh she was like a a what's the word? I can't think of the word. Um, an How advisor to, so. to the World Health yeah. Organization. She's started multiple, she's a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. I saw an interview with her about some guy that was uh, trying to talk about tackling, you know, all the hesitancy around this was Like, people aren't taking it seriously enough. And mm-hmm. they thought she was going to be like, oh, no, you need to lock yourself in your houses. And she was like, no we're completely blowing blowing this overblowing this it's a it's a flu, and you know, so I was like, okay, exactly. interestingly enough, it's a flu bug you know, I, people yeah,
1: yeah, but and it's not even as bad I mean, as I, as real flu bugs <laughs> you know that's, no that's it, exactly,
8: exactly, yeah. so from day one, I'm watching all these numbers and I'm hearing doctors you know say the people who are having a really hard time with this have all these comorbidities, and so I just started doing what I do, which is uh, what was what it? it's called, poke the bear. I think that's yeah. <laughs> that's what it's called, yeah. what I do. Like, hey, guys, you, you, I know what you're seeing on CNN and even Fox and MSNBC. I know what you're seeing. Yeah, but, but it's all wrong. It's there all wrong. are <laughs> other people out here saying something different. Like, why, why wouldn't you be open to both sides? And from day one, Greg, the, mm-hmm. the Animosity, the vitriol, the you are evil, you are selfish. Get your vaccine or stay at home. I hope you you're gonna die. kill grandma. Like, what?
1: You're gonna what? kill grandma.
8: Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it was it was it it was so clear to me that it was such an intentional it was divisive, it was virtue signaling, it was mm-hmm. you were either good or you were bad or mm-hmm. you were selfish or you were noble and it you know the the, so i sent you the thing i wrote the very first thing i wrote was a blog post the title was i will drive and the analogy i made was yeah there it's sometimes it's dangerous to get behind the wheel right people die in car accidents every single day every single day people die in car accidents now if you said to me hey jenna listen tomorrow my elderly grandmother is going to be driving around and she's a terrible driver she can't see at all, will you do me a favor and stay home so that she can get where she's going? Go, You're smoking crack. No, your grandmother needs to not drive, honey. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. So my point was: since when do we quarantine healthy people to protect was my question. the
6: vulnerable? We don't. That
1: was exactly if my you, question. You can't. And constitutionally, you can't do it. So my big, my legal background. Although I'm not a lawyer, although I play one on the radio. I mean, I, I write legislation. I, I, here's what I say: because so you can use this line too. I say that I am uniquely unqualified for everything I do here at Action Radio. I don't have a communications degree. I don't have an English degree. You know, I don't have a, a broadcast degree. I don't. You know, I don't have a law degree. I don't have an economics. Well, I have an economics bachelor, but I don't have a, a PhD. Uh, I don't have, uh, you know, anything. I'm not a firearms instructor yet. We just, you know, went over that in the last hour. I mean, I, none of the things I do here I'm qualified for. It doesn't stop me. We, you know, created but what, a, what an action radio.
8: Qualified? What well, makes I'm you the only qualified. one that's like, ever done in this. In every yeah. Yeah. medical school graduating class, there's a couple of people that cheated. There's a couple of people that barely scraped by. There's oh, the guy that finished dead last, right? Like, what? Yep. You read more books than I did? You, I mean, that's really the difference between any yeah. professional. You read more books than I did.
1: Maybe we should start asking it when the, someone says, well, they're an expert. Well, I should ask, are they a good expert or a bad expert?
0: <laughs> right. I, mean, I
1: never thought about, well, I never I mean, thought about it I, until just now. Because this cult of the expert, you know, is so strong. And it's, it's a, that's why they use it, right? And they say, well, this person's a doctor. You know, Dr. Fascist is an expert. I said, yeah, well, he's an expert at killing mass numbers of people. He's great at that. Right. He's great at making money. You know, for himself and uh, all his other government employees, have you noticed that no government employee uh, has, uh, especially the health department people, have had uh, uh, COVID uh, vaccine injuries?
0: Yeah. Now, Interesting, any, huh?
1: now there has any member of Congress. Have you noticed that? Mm. Mm. Yep.
0: How about yeah. that? You no, know why? Because
1: they, yeah. they they're it. not
8: getting the real thing.
1: Yeah. They, they got saline. Yeah. Guarantee it. So there, there's, an, there's a research project for you. Um, so let's – sure. so we're, we're on the same page here. So this is my brief history. Uh, February 25th, uh, Dr. Peter Pry, one of my favorite people in the world, who I believe was killed by a COVID shot a year ago, August, introduced uh, me to Bill Gertz, who, was the, the, who is the national security uh, correspondent for Washington Times. February 25th of 2020, he comes on and talks about the Wuhan lab. So we knew all about the Wuhan lab. Two days later, I wrote a bill for Congress, uh, saying that Congress could only spend half their money on vaccines, the other half had to be spent on early treatments, because I already read the, the D.D.R.O. report. Okay, Three days after that, March 2nd, we come out and say that chloroquine cures COVID, there is no pandemic, there's no need for a vaccine, why would you wait 15 years for a vaccine when the virus is here right now and we already have a cure? So this is, where I, this is March 2nd. Okay, so March 21st, I come up with a whole video as saying everything the government doing is unconstitutional. I'll send you that video. So we were we were with you. We were about on this. And all of us. There's a bunch of us around the country. Uh, Dr. Zelenko became a friend of mine. was on the show a couple of times. We wrote a bill reforming the FDA. You know, we're all seeing the same thing. Early treatments work. You know, you can't. There's no reason to go through this this uh, warp speed you know, Trump was totally deceived, totally lied to. And for some reason, he went along with us. But there was no reason for any of it. Peter Navarro had 80 million hydroxychloroquine tablets ready to go. We had to stop COVID. And I have the CDC chart, which, which goes on every show that I do. I've got the CDC chart showing that the death rate for COVID um, by July of 2020 was pretty much zero. It's right there. It's their own charge. You can't find yeah. it anymore. Pierre I've got it.
8: Early go ahead. early in our book, like, the, the, the war on ivermectin was not the first skirmish. The war on uh, – somebody could have written – the War on Hydroxychloroquine, because they did the exact same damn thing. And it was so calculated. And so, like, we actually lay out in the book the steps of the deceit and the disinformation campaign. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the irony is that the people who were the masters of disinformation deflected that. And, and that's the, the word, the actual word that they used for the people spreading the truth, right? So it's like, I'm not a liar, you're a liar. Oh, well, if I call you a liar, I'm not a liar. It, it was like mm-hmm. something out of The Princess Bride. It was insane, but continue.
1: <laughs> now this is fascinating. So, so let's, let's get at let's the chase here a little bit here. Why did they demonize hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin? Why was that essential for the process?
8: Because the only way they could have gotten the fake emergency use authorization, the EUA that they got for the bait and switch vaccines. I mean, the whole thing is a sham anyways, but you, they could not get emergency use, in other words, the ability to force it down our throats within, with, without the necessary and proper safety and efficacy testing. The only way you can get that EUA is if there is not a single alternative. If there is a treatment, a viable treatment that can be shown to be effective you cannot have eua why because there's no emergency need for it we have a treatment right but they needed to say there this virus is going to kill people we absolutely have to just get this vaccine out as soon as we can there's nothing else that could possibly help like you know they they used all the fear porn and in order to do that they did again all the things that we outline in the book they 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 used fraudulent trials they changed the endpoints they corrupted the journals that were you know a report quote unquote i'm using air quotes reporting on the studies they made every bastardized every uh positive study on ivermectin and hydroxy you know they, they just they did they pulled every trick in the book they pulled every trick in the book <laughs>
1: That's it. <laughs> that's it, right? That is, you get it. And, and, and I knew you would, but that's why I, I wanted to state it for the record, that the only way that they could get billions of dollars in COVID bogus vaccine shot money was to take the cures that we already knew about and make the cures illegal. Because by doing, the only way they could make their illegal so-called vaccine, the messenger RNA shot, the only way they could make the COVID shot legal was to make the legal cures, which had already been proved, and the keyword is approved. They had to make those illegal so that they could get their emergency use authorization. So that is yep. that is the ultimate fraud. That is the medical holocaust right there. They took the cure, yeah. knowing it was the cure, both of them ivermectin, we'll get on to exactly what ivermectin is in a second. But they took the cures that they knew were the cures. Fauci even said so back in 2005. Dr. Fascius, excuse me, I misspoke. Dr. Fascius said in 2005, <laughs> hydroxychloroquine cures COVID, cures uh, SARS-CoV-I uh, think one at the time. So they, we know they knew. Judy Mikovits has got this all outlined in Pandemic. She knew they knew. Oh,
4: yeah.
1: You know, so everybody that knew exactly what was going on knew that they were lying, that they had to lie. They had to demonize the one cure so they could bring about something that was not only a cure, but actually spreads the disease so they could market more of it. It is a medical oh, yeah. holocaust. So let's be really clear about that, um, and I know you and I agree on that. So what's ivermectin?
8: Um, it was initially developed, won the Nobel Prize, incidentally, um, as an anti-parasitic, how Um <laughs> Yeah, how, how about that? And then, you know, the, the two doctors that recently were awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine for the, for the deadly mRNA technology. <laughs> Not not Robert Malone. Two other the ones that actually uh, worked on the part of that technology that enhances the spike protein and kills people. So that's oh, so,
1: for that. so so so. In other words, this is medicine reverse, folks. So this isn't the the yeah. Nobel Prize for medicine. This is the Nobel Prize for anti medicine. This is the Nobel Death for prize.
8: murder. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The murder prize. So yeah.
8: ivermectin was um, it was studied in human and veterinary form, incidentally, um, mm-hmm. and it was it was uh, intended to treat. Parasitic infections. It was mm-hmm. almost exclusively responsible for eliminating river blindness and all mm-hmm. sorts of other horrible, you know, parasites, lice, scabies stuff like that.
5: Mm-hmm.
8: um and, and but had already shown antiviral promise as well as anti-cancer. By the way, uh, another thing mm. that they don't want people to know about because oh, it can
1: cure cancer. We, we got too much chemotherapy to money. Yeah, it can't cure cancer. Oh, There's exactly. another book for you.
8: Yep. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I, I make these, these really um, uh, superficial analogies all the time, but this is a true story. I worked in fashion and beauty for years, and oh. I remember um, interviewing a designer once because they had made these stockings, women's stockings, pantyhose, whatever you call them, and they were absolutely amazing. I was like, I've never had stockings like this that, that don't run, and they're like, oh, we can make stockings that don't run all day every day.
0: But you'd buy yeah. one
8: pair and you'd never need another pair of stockings.
0: Yeah, the,
1: the original stockings, like, the oh! nylon stockings, didn't run. That was that was uh, uh, that was one of the problems with them. They they'd make them and, no, and yeah. women didn't never bought new ones. Yeah, because they were yeah, they they didn't, didn't, they have didn't have the built-in obsolescence. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So what did they do? Yep.
8: Just make them just a little bit flimsy. And, you know, you can, you can buy the $20 pair that seems outrageous, but you might be able to wear those four or five times. Or you can buy the $0.99 cent pair. They're going to run before you leave the house. You're going to have to bring two <laughs> extra pairs in your purse for when you how snag them on no. uh, How about just not wearing yeah. stockings at all?
1: How about just not wearing stockings? You know, that, that's another option, yeah. too. Yeah. Conditioning. <laughs>
8: You no, know, it's fashion, Greg. You can't. You can't. Or, well, I don't. I haven't worn stockings in years, but you know, back in the day, that was a thing. So yes, they <laughs> they wanted to hide all of this. Um, and ivermectin, of course, was off patent. It it What's there, that mean? there has, What's it is mean? like the safe. Meaning, um, anybody can make it. You can make generics, right? So when okay. when a drug manufacturer has a brand new drug, they own the patent for X amount of time, and they can charge ungodly, obscene amounts of money for it. Once the patent expires, that just means any other competitor with a, you know, a, a cooktop and a recipe can make that. And therefore, you're, it's what the market will bear, right? So it it's supply and demand and how many people can make it. And now Ivermectin, Ivermectin was down to pennies. It was available over the counter in countless countries around the world. It's taken prophylactically in countries around the world for virus prevention, uh, taken um, uh what is the other word for prophylactically to get um uh, prevention preventative
0: <laughs> i just like to define
1: terms for people so that everybody so we have a lot of listeners in other countries too so i want to make sure that we get uh you know we get we get our words defined but yeah prophylactic in other words prevention uh so that Pre- you don't get it
8: right medical yeah. uh professionals like in in south american countries we're taking mm-hmm. ivermectin you know as a preventative they'll take one dose a week rather than taking a course of five days or whatever it is mm-hmm. but that was one of the ways they, they falsified the ivermectin studies. This was so interesting to me in researching this book. In all the South American trials, they would uh, quote-unquote have a placebo group, right? And then mm-hmm. they would give the other groups ivermectin. Well, guess what? The placebo group was always taking ivermectin. They were taking it regu- regularly and routinely. Oh. So <laughs> at the anyway. end of the day, That's when fine. the ivermectin group didn't, didn't show a significant improvement Do do you understand why? It's really hard to prove that taking ivermectin is better than taking ivermectin. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I've
1: never heard that before. But that's hysterical. So the placebo group, they would have had to go off their ivermectin, but that would have been stupid because they were preventing, you know. So what's the connection between parasites and viruses? Why does ivermectin kill both? Because they're not necessarily, parasites are are a more complex, higher life form, you know, worms versus, you know, tiny little genetic material wrapped in uh, whatever that stuff is around them. What do they have in that, this
8: is where you go way outside of my pay grade. I, you know, does her own research. I never researched that.
7: Welcome <laughs> we back to radio. Here. I don't <laughs> really <laughs> know. I, do, I really are,
8: yeah.
7: don't. I Impossible don't understand the, the mechanism.
8: The mechanism by which it it helps either or cancer or any of the okay. other things. All okay. I know is that you know the the the, the um, scientist who found it in, in a like field in Japan, by the way, who found the mm-hmm. the the. the the essence of what would ultimately become ivermectin. Um, he was working on this early in COVID and he believed that it could be helpful. And Merck was the original uh, pharmaceutical company that made ivermectin. Obviously, like I said, it was already off patent at this point in the early 2000s, right. uh, 2020, excuse me. But um, so it's Laura, like 60 years the old, inventor, right?
1: This has been around, for Merck. Like, been around for like 60 uh, 40, plus years, right? 50
8: years. Yeah, okay. yeah. it's her. on okay. the WHO list of essential medicines. It, is, it, it has been <laughs> administered billions of times. I don't think Except there's ever been a death associated yep. with ivermectin, as far as well, I see, know. See, that's
1: the other question, too. So even if you're not sick with COVID, even if you don't have parasites, taking ivermectin is not going to hurt you.
8: I give it to my kids all the time, all the time. Yeah. They're like, right. oh, my, my throat's a little scratchy. Here you go, take some ivermectin.
1: So what is evermeth? I mean, I know this may not be your your field either but chemically what is it? What what kind of a compound is it? Is it purely manufactured? Does it occur mostly in nature? Do they take like an herb and you know add stuff to it? what, what is it?
8: It was some sort of plant matter that that this Japanese scientist found in it was like at the edge of a golf course or some crazy thing like he would just go around the world <laughs> taking soil samples and looking for like the whole chapter on that in this book is insane it's like if it wasn't this one person on this one day after a rain in this hemisphere at this time of year it never would have been discovered like it's, it it really is an interesting story um but like i said i i'm just the word smith i don't understand That's the mechanism okay. of That's it true. so i would so, be you, foolish yeah. to even yeah. pretend
1: and don't worry about what um, you don't know i am known for asking impossible questions i do it derek my my financial guy gets constantly frustrated so, frank i haven't looked that up you know well, we'll just do it next week i don't care you know we'll just we'll have you yeah. back <laughs> listen <laughs> well, to the podcast i, told you, you know, I have I no, think... no
8: problem saying that's not my wheelhouse i'm not good at that exactly. i do no, that. that's fine
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I, I have yeah. to yeah. so anyway but, uh, we, got, we got a, a right.
8: little bit off track but i wanted to finish very very quickly the sure. story of how i got to be so lucky to be able to write this book with pierre because honestly I, I say all along. Like, I feel like, like I'm the dorky, nerdy kid. It, the, the dorky, nerdy freshman and the the senior football, uh, the quarterback asked me to prom. Like, what? Because <laughs> he was, you, like, you're the You're, like, the Padawan. The Is,
1: like, too. Padawan? Yeah. Mm. Strong enough, of course you're going to be with Yoda.
8: Mm. Sorry.
0: <laughs> it's a hobby. I'm,
8: I'm terrible at references. I'm terrible. But, yeah, so oh. I was just following him. I was... Um, you know, just, oh, thank God that there are people out there testifying in front of Congress, for God's sake. I would share all of his stuff. Of course, then he founded the FLCCC, which is the uh, frontline COVID critical care alliance. Um, Mm -hmm. And they were, from day one, they were putting together early treatment protocols. They were advocating for, you know, that you don't need to go to the hospital. And if you do go to the hospital, this is what you need to ask for. Don't let them give you this. Like, I just felt, wow, here are these people that I respect so much. They're being demonetized, deplatformed, demonized for Mm -hmm. trying to help people for free. Like if I see one more person on Twitter, like I'll, I'll retweet stuff that peer tweets. And and of course, 99% of it is, oh my gosh, you're amazing. You're a hero. You're a lifesaver. But there's always Mm -hmm. some jackass that will say, okay, grifter. And I'm like, do you you have a dick? Yeah. It's horse medicine, man. Do you you know what a a grifter is? is? Like, that's yeah. somebody who's trying to profit off of yep. off of a situation. This man has done nothing but travel the world. He lost three jobs. He lost his certification. Like he lost the career he loved. He was an academic doctor. You know, he was a, a, a teaching doctor, which was his passion. Can't do that anymore because he, mm-hmm. you know, you know. So it's like, and and you think, and people will say, oh, well, you prescribe ivermectin? Dr. Corey prescribes ivermectin. Yeah, it's a generic off-patent medicine. The, the whole prescription is $12. He, he's not getting a kickback for that. That's not mm-hmm. like the Paxlovid. That's not one of the ones that, oh, you know, the, the I mean, oh, my gosh. We, we could go on for years and years and years about all the, the dirty well, doings back, of the pharmaceutical should companies. Should, and
1: this, this is just our, our first, uh, you know, meet. We're going we're gonna to do a lot more of these. Um, do you talk about in the book the what we call here the remdesivir ventilator death march? you talk about that at all?
8: Oh Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, you know, if Pierre, he, we had a line in the book. Are we allowed to, to be profane on this podcast?
1: Oh, yeah. Go for it.
8: Like really profane or just a little? I got I to be no, clear. No, you can be really profane
1: <laughs> if it's justifiable. I don't like a lot of F-bombs being dropped gratuitously. But if you've got a real reason for doing it, go for it.
8: I don't do gratuitous um, uh, profanity, but a, the, a, a well-timed f-bomb is more powerful than anything else I know. But okay, so Pierre and I both are potty mouths, I'll tell you that um, we <laughs> kept this book very. We, I mean, like I, I wish you could see the the desk sign that sits on my desk. It's Effer in charge of you effing Effers. That's it's. I'm looking mm. at it with my eyeballs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm my kids gave me that. I mean, like I'm a potty <laughs> and so is Pierre. So, but we knew that we had to keep this book kind of clean. So he, he, we have this whole section about the whole ventilator thing and it it, it, it enrages him because people were venting people too soon they were venting them too long they were venting them without studying the what doctors call the work of breathing which is you can't just go by oxygen level you have to go by all these other things and they weren't they were arbitrarily picking a number if your oxygen saturation goes below whatever it was 92 you're on a vent and you know pierre said if i had we took this line out but i loved it because it's so pierre he said people come up to me all the time and they say a ventilator killed my grandmother and she's like a ventilator did not kill your grandmother a pussy ass doctor killed your grandmother a pussy ass yeah. doctor that wouldn't do his own research that wouldn't doctor that wouldn't use his own innate intelligence and experience and say you don't just arbitrarily stick a tube down somebody's throat just because of a of of this number and but people were like but that's the protocol that's what the hospital's saying so the hospital was, every hospital, they were, they were given money. They were incentivized. They, they, you know, the more people they had on vents, the more money they got. The more people that died, the more money they got. I mean, it, it, it was just a killing machine. It was a killing machine. And the people like Pierre and Mary Tally Bowden and Paul Merrick and, you know, all the people that you've had on your show that were out there mm-hmm. saying, Haven't had Paul I'm Paul watching this. I'm, yeah. Oh, he's, Paul is so dear. Paul, well, Paul I think Merrick you're going to introduce
1: me to people, too. So, I mean, we'll, we'll be talking off the air. <laughs> There's some folks I want to talk to. Yeah.
8: Honestly, I, I have the biggest crush on, on Paul. He's so, such a sweet man. If you, Paul mm-hmm. Merrick is, um, he is, I believe, the most published critical care doctor in the world. He created a, a protocol for sepsis that literally changed the industry, the industry the uh, i'm going to get these numbers wrong again because pierre could whip them out forward and backwards and tell you them in mm-hmm. french but um well, I get him know, for the, sometime. yeah
1: we'll, we'll get them on yeah.
8: hospital deaths associated with sepsis before Pierre, uh, excuse me before paul's protocol were like 80 percent and they went down to like eight i mean the man is just wow. a wonderful genius and every time he testifies he's testified in front of congress multiple times too he cries he's like he's just such a sweet man and he's so passionate about this and he too has lost everything. He's been discredited. They actually went back at the height of COVID and they tried to get his, his original work on sepsis discredited. They tried to say his studies were fraudulent and doctors around the world were like, hell no. Like now you've gone too far. You have gone too far. And so they wrote this open letter and they got that shut down. But I mean, it it, it was, it's all documented in the book, but honestly, it's so, it's almost unfathomable, even to this day, even after knowing all the evil and that they let people die. They let people die on ventilators. They let people die by no, withholding all these No, they killed all them. They didn't let them treatments. die. They killed them. Yeah. let here.
1: Yeah. So how did we get in a position where, and I I talk about this because I had open heart surgery to have a mitral valve trimmed so it fit properly because I was losing half my blood was going backwards in my heart. And they said, well, you could be dead in five years from myocarditis. I know what that is intimately because I studied it before I had the heart surgery. Uh, I'm fine now, working great, you know, doing exercising, losing weight, everything's great. Uh, So that part of medicine worked. Then they gave me blood thinners that almost killed me when my chest filled up with fluid uh, and we drained it rather than put me on a ventilator. But today they would have put me on a ventilator and killed me. You know, so I'm, I'm intimately aware of this. But what happened in medicine between when I had really good heart surgery um, in 2016 and 2019 when they released COVID in 2020, uh, they had COVID in 2021. They were giving out the, the COVID death shots. What happened to medicine that they changed the incentive from saving people's lives to killing people? What, did you tell you that story I, at all?
8: I, I no, not really. I mean, I don't know what the trigger was. I mean, I've gone down the whole Rockefeller medicine rabbit hole about how you know it, there was this very intentional um, attempt and a, a intentional and successful attempt to completely decimate any natural alternative you know what we which is so funny to me that we now call alternative medicine like herbs like oh you know mm-hmm. vitamins you know yeah, and, and this is something we, we started at that the very medicine. beginning of the book Pierre yeah. talks about you know how how he was trained in medical school 30 years ago right like
7: how was vitamins
8: trained? were a joke they were a scam they were a scam huh. industry of course they didn't work well why because vitamins d oh you can get it from the sun all your other vitamins, you can get them from the food, right? If, if medicine, if the medical field were going to acknowledge that vitamin D can reduce your, your chances of, of getting cancer, well, then you, you can't sell this other thing that that they can make money off of. So anything, it just became, you know, some, some time between Rockefeller and now, it mm-hmm. became Wow, we can make money on every single thing. We can create the sickness, and then we can create the cure. We can spray the crops with the glyphosate, and then we can, you know, uh, completely decimate food. We can put chemicals in everything. We can get people on our diabetes medicines. Everybody will be overweight. Oh, they'll need Ozempic. Like everything is create the sickness, create the cure. I don't know when that happened, or or who was behind it. Well, it's not really create the
1: cure. It seems to be more perpetuate the disease. Because well now here's the people that I know that have gotten flu have gotten flu shots. The people that I know that have gotten COVID got COVID shots. So it's worse than that. I think these are actually self perpetuating marketing devices that give you the very thing they tell you they're trying to prevent. There's nothing more well, dangerous yeah, for, mean, for COVID than true, a COVID
8: shot. True but not true. Like, okay, everybody in me. my family got COVID and none of us got COVID shots. Did we get it bad? No. Did we take ivermectin? Yes. But I don't think you can say only <clears throat> excuse me only people who got. The COVID shot are getting COVID, although...
1: No, I didn't, no, I didn't I, say that. What I'm saying is say, that COVID, the, tests are the BS, shot, so. part of the shot is it's a marketing device to actually give you COVID and create variants. I think that's 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 engineered in there. So I'm not saying, you know, and for your family, I mean, how many of your family got COVID a second time? None of
8: us, not
1: one. Bingo. Natural oh. immunity. Yeah,
8: none of us, not one. Okay. Yep.
1: So, but people who got the COVID shot haven't got COVID multiple Five, times. Five, six times. How is that they're, possible? they're
8: on... Their, their TikTok saying, thank gosh they got their, their boosters or it would have been so much worse. I have a friend who almost died, literally, she was 32 oh. days in the hospital on a ventilator mm-hmm. and she all she could say was, thank God I I I was vaccinated because I would have died. And I was like, oh honey, no.
1: Yeah, you never would have been, the have been in the hospital in the first place. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
5: Yeah.
8: Yeah.
1: That's crazy. Hmm.
5: Yep. Yeah. There's
8: so much uh, crazy. I mean, there's so much crazy around this whole thing. It's still happening, right? You know that mm -hmm. Dr. Merrick, who I was just talking about Mm -hmm. and uh, two other FLCCC affiliates, Mary Tally Bowden and Dr. Robert Apter, they filed a lawsuit against the FDA and HHS for basically because they weren't allowed to doctor, right? They weren't allowed to, they all lost licenses and affiliations for, for, trying to prescribe these medicines. And 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 together they had a ninety-nine percent patient survival rate. Ninety-nine percent. They saw the two alone, um Mary Tally Bowden and Robert After saw more than <clears throat> excuse me, nine thousand COVID patients. Ninety nine percent survival rate. That was not the case uh, across the world incidentally. And these sure. these are These are people that were hospitalized, right? So these are the sickest Mm -hmm. of the sick. This isn't Mm -hmm. me or you, you know, that lost our taste for a couple of days. These are people that had the comorbidities, went into the hospital, and were given all these things, the ivermectin and the monoclonal antibodies and all the the quote unquote off patent. And they lost their jobs. Excuse me. They were, you know, completely smeared. And so they sued the FDA and the HHS. And it went to appeal and basically the FDA lawyer, this just, this just happened within a month, basically said the FDA cannot prohibit off-label use of ivermectin and then added, but this doesn't at all mean that ivermectin is approved by the FDA. So think about <laughs> that for a minute. These it's already three doctors been approved. It's already case. been
1: approved. Yeah, is that right? Been,
8: and doctors come only. Have yeah. always been allowed to prescribe medication off-label. So yeah. they admitted, without admitting, that they acted illegally, which they did. The FDA had no right or authority. You know, they tried their 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 um their defense was sovereign immunity. We have sovereign immunity, right? We're we're thinking of the of the common good and the and the best. And no, you you actually never had that right. So thankfully, they won in in the appeal court. Um, And so now, but they still will not say it is okay for doctors to prescribe it. And in fact, there was a Reuters did a fact check because it's like Mm -hmm. all these people are saying that the FDA says it's okay to treat with COVID. And and the 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 Reuters like summary was false. That's what they said. False. Mm -hmm. The FDA it misleading. That's what they said. Ivermectin is not FDA approved to treat COVID.
1: Well, they can never admit that because that would give rise to the lie, and everybody would know, because we know, but that the lie is that they made the, the cures illegal so that they could kill people with their emergency use uh, COVID shots, or at least sell yeah. billions of dollars worth. So, so those right. that know that, they have to maintain that. That's like they have to maintain the fantasy that uh, Biden won the 2020 election when all of us know it was a bunch of nonsense. There's no way he could have been right. a fair election. So we all know that, but they have to maintain the lie. Let me ask so you this, though. As a- Sure.
8: As a fellow conspiracy theorist, because this, this is one of the ones that I have a hard time answering, because I'm a total ongoing investigator. I've written about it.
1: Ongoing investigator, <laughs> <Yeah>. please.
8: <laughs> okay, ongoing <laughs> investigator. Um, do you, like I, believe that there there was a very intentional uh, goal of killing people with those shots?
1: I don't know if the goal was killing people, because I know I hear a lot of people talk about the, the the mass genocide, and I'm thinking the world government gains power by controlling more people. I don't think the goal is right. ever to kill people. I think the goal is to make money. Uh, I think that's where I was going. Like if they I, if they right. wanted yeah. to
8: kill us, they could kill us a million different ways. But then, if they mm-hmm. want all this power, and, right. and they want people to fly their private jets and and raise
5: their also blue, like yeah, clean the bathrooms, for the yeah,
1: time. it gonna happen, yeah, oh. but. They want, see, I see, this as, as, I see them as parasites. In other words, they want to make you sick enough to make them rich, but they don't want to kill you because they want to keep living off you. So, in other words, right. they want to keep giving you a booster. Now, here's a question for you. I don't know if you talk about this in the book. I want to spend a few minutes on our, on our vaccine uh, liability bill. But, um, but, the, but the idea of, of this, it's messenger RNA technology. Messenger RNA teaches your body how to do things. It teaches your cells how to replicate. All right, then it teach you the DNA how to replicate. That's what, what RNA does, as far as I know. It could be wrong. You can tell me. But if your body learns from the first COVID jab, why would you need to give extra ones? Wouldn't the first one multiply right. enough times to teach your body how to replicate you know, a proper immunity, which, of course, it doesn't? Um, so the idea of boosters means that it doesn't work. Why would you need to boost something oh. that's already teaching your body how to cure itself?
8: Well, exactly. That, that was the premise that made absolutely no sense. And okay. well, you know, so I wrote a whole thing about this on my Substack. About it, the title was "Words Matter." My Substack is just my name, Substack at Jenna McCarthy. Um, you know, they, they went through COVID, changing the definitions of everything. Right? Mm-hmm. They changed the definition of a vaccine. It, you know, from something that confers immunity to something which may support immunity. They, they changed the definition of an anti-vaxer right? Anti-vaxxer yep. was someone who opposes vaccination. They literally changed the definition to someone who opposes vaccination or laws mandating it. Like, mm. what? Like, can't, yep. can't I believe that it's fine for you to be vaccinated? I just thought we lived in a free country and I... We
1: don't... used to. Not now. Yeah. 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 So also herd immunity was changed. Remember the definition of herd yeah. immunity? How, how'd that get
0: changed?
1: Yeah, that, that's good for people to know.
8: It just—it was the percent—a percentage, right? Like it was more than half or something at some point. I—I I, I didn't cover that one, so I'm not exactly sure. But I know. Okay, it I'll
1: changed. tell you. I'll just—just just to let you know, they changed it to say that herd immunity used to be natural immunity, and then they changed it to say that herd immunity comes about because of vaccines. That's how they changed it. Oh, that's You can look that up. Yeah. Let me just yeah. uh, a couple of minutes. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, oh, do we have a lot more to talk about? Um, so I wrote a bill. Over two years ago, okay, so this is like March of 2021, uh, bringing full vaccine product liability back to big pharma. I've had Malone. I've had uh, Peter McCullough. I've had Ed Dowd. (laughs) You know, I've had major people on this show. I had Christina Bob, Peter Navarro. I've had big guests on this show. Every one of them, I've shared this bill, and not a single person has talked about it. I've had Pierre Corey. Now, Pierre Corey, here's a funny story for you. So Pierre's on the show, right? And I tell him about the bill, he says, well, congratulations, that's great, but uh, it's not going to work, it's not going to go anywhere. And I said, not until you talk about it. So that's the first thing I'm going to ask him when he gets back on the show. So mm-hmm. this bill, all it does is change three or four words. It's, uh, there's two places in law where it says vaccine manufacturers shall not be civilly liable. Well, I just changed shall not be to shall be fully. What's that, two words? <laughs> you know, <the laughs> two words in two places. Yeah. So I changed two words in two places in law from shall not be liable to shall be fully liable, and that would put full product liability back on vaccine makers. Why is this not national news? Why isn't this circulating among America's frontline doctors? The only person who's telling people this is Judy Michovitz. She's the only one. Now, I just had Naomi Wolf on the show.
0: Talked I'm, I'm, to, I'm trying to get her to start um, doing it.
1: Uh-huh.
8: Jeff Childers?
1: No, don't. Oh, Jeff Childers. Uh, Jeff, yeah, uh, oh, the attorney? Yeah. Coffee and COVID? Yeah, he's been on the show. He won't do it either. Here it gets even why? worse. You know who? You know who I've talked to personally? Steve uh, Steve Kirsch, who did the Atlanta uh, Lawyer Summit on COVID. I said, yeah. Steve, why don't, why don't I just come speak? I've got the bill that cures all your problems. I can't get invited to a single conference. We've had the solution here for over two years. Maybe you can write about it yourself. What about case.
8: Ron Johnson? He's a huge what, proponent. Ah, uh,
1: what about Ron Senator Johnson? Ron Johnson? Okay, you want me to want me to break some news here? I've been thinking about doing this for yeah. a while. I promised my friend I wouldn't, but my friend has passed away. My friend was, was Dr. Zeb Zelenko, and oh, wow. we used to talk off the air a lot. He's been on the show twice. I can, I can send you the news, or you can just look him up. Dr. Zelenko personally placed our vaccine bill in the hands of Ron Johnson over two years ago. Ron Johnson has refused to even talk about it. He's had two major hearings. He had Pierre Corey right there, you know. And he never brought it up. He's known about this bill over two years because I know, and like I say, I'm breaking news here. I promise I wouldn't say, you know, but Dr. Zelenko's been dead for, for almost a year now. So I don't think I'm breaking our confidence at this point. And besides, people need to know that Ron Johnson has had our vaccine product liability bill since I wrote it, basically, and has done nothing about so it. So why I would you
8: have it. promised Deb that you wouldn't? Talk
1: about it. I don't know, because he didn't want me to say it because it was a personal thing he gave it to him, but I, I don't think I'm, I'm betraying uh, the confidence at this point. Well, I, I, I can keep secrets. I'm really good at it. I know a lot of things I don't say on the air, but I knew that he, mm-hmm. he gave it to him personally, and it was, it was like, a, you know, because he told me personally, he says, you know, I don't want this to get out yet, but this is what he did. So I don't, like I said, I've, I've sat on this for, you know, over a year, but I think it's good for people to know that Ron Johnson knows about our bill and has had two major Whoa. hearings. And has never brought it up.
8: Okay, let me let me say one thing. I have to um, go right after this, but I'm I okay. feel the need to defend Pierre um, because I, I'll tell you, Pierre no, don't is blame out Pierre there at all. fighting all day I every him. day. Well, I, I feel like anybody. Like I have had people make comments to me like, "Why don't you take all your vitriol and you know go out there and and raise awareness about women's rights or like some other thing?" And it's like, dude you you can you can fight any battle you want. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm fighting. Like, I am fighting, like, Pierre is fighting vaccine injury. Pierre, Corey, has never once, not one time, refused to see a friend of a friend of a friend if somebody's like my, my, literally, my daughter's mail carrier is in the hospital with COVID and doesn't know what to do. He treated my sister when she was in the hospital for pneumonia. Like, for, and would not take any money. Like, I had to send him presents because he wouldn't. I mean, he is just... There's only so many hours a day. He's out there. I just, I want you to not feel personally like why he could do so much with this. Well, he could do so much with a million things.
1: I understand that all I'm asking Pierre to do and all these doctors to do is just talk about it publicly I expect the legislators to do something but if Pierre mentions it and I'll talk to him about the show he just he loved the bill he just thought it wasn't gonna go anywhere because exactly what happened with Ron Johnson he absolutely said these yeah. politicians will not do it they're 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 in the pocket of big pharma so what we really need are millions of people to send that bill to Congress and say look if you don't pass yeah. this I'm not voting for you that's the idea. and that's how we're gonna be There's we're, a great the big pharma book
8: about Newt Gingrich and I'll leave it at that because I do have to go I have another, I have another... Another interview right now.
1: Okay, gotta go. Uh, let's I've, get the book. Where do you get I've, it? War so on ivermectin.
8: For uh, you having me on here, people can find me at Substack Jenna McCarthy, my website Jenna McCarthy com. Um, the war on ivermectin is, of course, available um, on on Amazon. I found it in uh, buried in the medical ethics section in the Barnes and Noble in New York City. So who knows where it might be at your bookstore, but. I always ask folks, like, hey, if you're ever in a bookstore, just ask for it. Put it on their yeah. radar. Just make them look it up in the system and, and be, be, uh, be aware of it. <laughs> if you do that for me, I appreciate it.
1: Hey, thank you, Jenna. We'll talk soon, uh, especially off the air. I really um, appreciate it. Go to you your next time. interview. Have Good luck. It's been Okay, pleasant. thanks.
8: All right. You too. Bye. Okay,
1: bye now. Yeah, so we're actually in overtime now. So we, we timed that up to the last minute. So Jenna McCarthy, the book is The War on Ivermectin, uh, which she co-wrote with Dr. Pierre Corey. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he's right. I mean, why have I been sitting on that information? It's, it's something that people should know. Well, because I promised a friend, you know, I wouldn't say anything. And like I say at this point, uh, it's more important for that knowledge to get out there. Uh, so let me just, uh, we've got our, our contact information. We've got other things to do. I didn't play a single thing because Fridays are crazy busy around here. Uh, and so, uh, Marco. Yeah, Marco's party already gone. <laughs> Take care, Marco. We'll see you later. Um, but uh, this has been an incredible day. So uh, share the podcast, share our bills. Go to writeyourlaws. dot com. You know, when it's not being hacked, which it is right now, and uh, get everything out there. So we'll start again Monday. Uh, we shall do it all again Monday morning at seven a. m. Central Time, and uh, we'll see you then. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page, available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panglo's Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at strikeforceenergy.com. That's Strikeforce Energy. Start your engines. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed. Through writing the laws by which we are governed. in Action Radio.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BW. Void Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.